0: Welcome to the My Age Podcast, a podcast that brings you conversations with people from all different walks of life, using music to plot a map from their early years to how they got to where they are now. Does that sound good? That's why you're here. Hopefully, that's why you're here. Um, The My Age Podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. It's fantastic. Go check it out. A plethora of uh, podcasting resources if you're ever interested in doing one of these things yourself. It's pretty easy. You know, you can do it. You can do it by yourself if you want to if you're kind of that way inclined but there's a whole no pardon me in all seriousness there's a whole bunch of really cool videos and tutorials and FAQs and stuff on how to get kind of get your podcast if you have an idea even if you don't have an idea and you just want to free form it um up and running podbelly.com uh there's also conveniently a whole bunch of podcasts on there uh like the just the worst podcast which features Paddy Larson and um I can't think Valentina I can't think of the last name um, but that's you know neither here nor there um, Patty was on an earlier a very very early episode of the My Age podcast so if you're so, you're so inclined go check that out um, yeah there's a whole bunch of cool stuff I'm sure something you'll find completely relevant if you're into Star Wars or Stephen King or spooky shit or crazy shit or whatever there's something there for you um, what else is going on? If you're, if I need to apologize, well, actually, if it's your first time listening, howdy, how's it going? Hopefully you stick around, hopefully you enjoy what I'm doing, um, and if it's your 40th time, then look out, thank you, look at you, look at your bad self. Um, episode number 40, bit of a bit of an odd little milestone, every episode's a milestone, this one just happens to end in a zero, um, you know, who would have thunk I'd come this far, uh, we're. Almost, I'm almost well. As of January next year, that'll be three years kind of doing it, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, there's that. If you interest, if you dig what I do, you feel free to go to subscribe to the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/myagepodcast. You know, it's just a it. All, this is always going to be a free podcast, and hopefully with never any advertising, or at least never any advertising that's not relevant. Um, and so, basically, go there, you know, help the cause if you feel the need to, again, my age podcast, sorry, I'll try again, patreon.com slash my age podcast, or if you don't want to subscribe but you just want to, you know, sling us a dollar or two, whatever, that's all good as well, um, paypal.me slash my age podcast, you know, or don't, it's all good, you don't have to, there's no real, you know, there's no need to, it's just, you know, helps me just that extra little bit, but that's all good. Um, so, what is going? Oh, I completely misjudged the. Um, if you listen to this when it comes out, then apologies for the week, the delay by a week. I thought there was one more Friday out my sleeve. Turns out there wasn't. Um, so this is why this is coming out on a. Uh, what day is it? It's going to be a Wednesday, um, Wednesday the thirtieth of October. And if you're listening to this in the future, then you know I hope the future's awesome. And think of Friday, uh, sorry Wednesday, the thirtieth of October, two thousand and nineteen, and think what I was doing that day. Well, this is the day that this podcast got released. So, what's up? Anyhow, I'm babbling. Um, We have a featured song by a featured band by an ex uh, ex member, friend of the pod, friend in real life, um, friend friend of the people, actually, you know, and previous podcast guest. Adrian Te Kelly. Adrian Kelly um and his band, his merry band, uh The Wolves, Or just Beerwolf actually, not the Beer Wolves, just me being silly. Beer Wolf. Um they've they've just released a new album, again, new relative to when this episode was is kind of comes out, uh called Year of the Dog. And it's on Resist Records. And if you're hearing this the day it gets released, which is a Wednesday, so this is the 30th, on the 1st of November. Friday the 1st of November Oxford Arts Factory With your boys Through being cool opening Which is myself David Macbeth from episode 33 I think uh, X something in numbers And just all around legend And one Trent David Crawford Who plays in Who played in $1 Short um, And then me So just a three piece Just banging out some hits um, You know so We basically sound like face to face Kind of thing If you know That's how I'd pigeonhole it because that's what people need these days, which, which is fine. I, I need that as well. Anyhow, I'm I'm rambling. Episode 40. Today's guest, Mo fucking Mayhem. Um, it's a hell of a chat. If you're not if you're not completely enthralled by what Mo says in the first five minutes, then I don't know, there's no, you know, I was I love every episode like I love every if I had 40 children, I'd love them all the same. But this one literally had me on the edge of my seat going like shit's wild shit is wild so I don't know with that myagepodcast.com follow us on the instagrams the social medias whatever chuck a like chuck a follow pledge some money patreon.com slash myagepodcast do a one-off donation paypal.me slash myagepodcast um check out podbelly on podbelly networks podbelly.com and yeah let's check out oh so the song actually I should probably name the song the song is called, that we're going to hear by be- Wolf is called Rust and Decay. It's off their newest album, which is on Resist Records, called Year of the Dog. And if you hear this in time, then their record release show is at the Oxford Arts Factory on November 1st, 2019. And it's going to be a fucking banger. And my band, Through Being Cool, are opening. And it's $10, and you get a free tinny. Because, you know, that's what Adrian Kelly and those boys do. They love giving out, well, you know, love incorporating beer into their swag so cool check it out Podcast, and with me tonight I have guitarist, you know, well-known, renowned Australian guitarist um, of bands like Hell City Glamour's and Newcastle's finest Draw the Line, as well as currently playing in The Dusty Roads and Mucho Sonar, Mo Fucking Mayhem. What's going
1: on, mate? Hey, Jolly, How you going, man? Good. Very good. Um, Yeah, slight embarrassment about the Draw the Line part, but yeah. Oh, mate, <laughs> I've got to... So there's these weird moments that
0: I have in my life, and I'm sure everybody has. Like, um, I'm not living in the Truman, you know, the Truman Show or whatever. But and, w- and we'll talk about it. It'll come up later. But there's this weird moment that I have, and I don't think uh, you didn't know it was happening. And da 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 like whatever. But there's this weird moment that I have when I remember exactly the moment that I heard someone mention you and the Hell City Glamours for the t- first time. So when it and so and being from Draw the Line, going into Hell City Glamours, so. <laughs> It'll make all sense. It'll make more sense later when we get to it. But yeah, I'll just yeah, draw the line. Obviously you were gonna get a that was gonna get a out. So oh, yeah. That's
1: hilarious. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um so uh, you know, we spoke earlier before. Um you know how this all runs, you've listened to the podcast a bunch of times, which is really appreciated. Let's talk about your parents.
1: Let's go deep. Um, yeah. I mean, um okay, so uh my parents are from South Africa, they're South African Indians. I'm born in South Africa myself. Um, okay yeah, and I was like born in, you know, the Indian section of the hospital in South Africa because it was, you know, apartheid South Africa, which was um yeah, not a good time. No. <laughs> but, oh, and um, what
0: you this is 81? Uh 82,
1: 82. 82. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and um so yeah, my parents are uh, like, you know, my dad's family's been in South Africa. Most people don't know this, but um, you know, South Africa uh, there's oh, there's a few million Indians in South Africa. And they came out to South Africa in like the like eighteen ninety thereabouts. Okay. And um, not my parents, of course, but um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, they were they came out in eighteen ninety, and uh, so we were brought over, like not me, but we were brought over um, as indentured labour, which is slightly kind of like slave labour a little bit. Um, you know, you had to work in the cane fields for x amount of time, and then you got your freedom, et cetera. And that's where my dad's family came over and then there was a second wave of indians who were like traders who came over specifically to trade with other indians you know and um yeah so you know so what what
0: was um what was south africa what was south africa exporting back to india
1: um not much not much i mean it was (laughs) british rule and um um so yeah it was it's it's a really strange one so that was um you know british ruled india and british ruled south africa at the time and so um yeah it's quite strange in that because of apartheid and because we were all kept like you know south africa was very stratified in terms of racial classification especially post the group areas act but so indians were given their own racial classification and lived in indian only like uh, for want of a better term like air you know indian townships and so on and then there was black African townships and then there was white neighbourhoods. And um, so as a result, um, my parents, who were both born in South Africa, who've only been to India when we went, you know, when I was a teenager, have slight Indian accents, you know? It's kind of like like a mixture between an Indian accent and a South African, like almost like a little bit of Trevor Noah and, you know, (laughs) a, a fully Indian accent. And because we were stuck in the same areas um we retained a lot of our indian culture which is quite so um you know like they Before would you go th-
2: on was yeah. um
0: i th- like i had no idea that there was a any kind of indian population in south africa where did kind of without sounding insensitive where, where did, did that indians fit in? yeah where did indians kind of fit in with the whole
1: apartheid okay no that's that's yeah. a perfectly legitimate question cuz a lot of people ask that. And the strange thing is, is so um, we were very restricted in our rights, but we didn't have it as bad as the black Africans, you know, because um, yeah, so in terms of everything is stratified in apartheid. Like when I go back to South Africa, right, like and I go to where I'm from, it's weird because there's like a white suburb or what used to be a white suburb and then a black township. But none of those were connected by roads because there was really, you know, racial mixing was super was illegal. Yeah. But um, so it's everything is stratified, right? Like, so from education on, like, so, um, you know, black Africans weren't taught a lot of advanced mathematics or any, or it's maths even, you know, and we were taught more because we we're expected to be accountants and things like that. And then whites obviously had the, the best education. And, but it's even in down to like, it's strange things, right? Like when I go back, you know, in the Indian area, um, or what used to be the Indian area. Um, or say, say for example, like what was the white area had better roads, better blocks of land, like all of, like, you know, flatter blocks of land, all of that kind of stuff. And then the Indian area was slightly worse. And then the black area was slightly worse than that or much worse than that, you know? And so even down to like the width of the roads and everything, like apartheid was was so all pervasive in terms of, the racial classifications, and how that worked and what that meant for you in society. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were still not allowed at, you know, at the parks and beaches and stuff. Like, I mean, my mom remembers when I'd like, you know, because we came out here when I was like two okay. um, to Australia. And um, so my mom remembers me like going back to South Africa, at like five, six years old, like chucking a fit about not being able to go to like the fast food place to get a hamburger or like to be able to play at the, at the, you know, in the playground at the fast food place, you know, that you'd pass by at the shopping center or whatever, because that was for whites only, you know, and I'd grown up in Australia and like, you know, Macca's ball pits and all the rest of it. And I'm just like, you know, like free for all. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, it was like a relatively intelligent child. I mean, I definitely ruined that later on, but you know, when (laughs) I was young, like, I was quite, like, you know, family friends used to say, oh, you know, it was like speaking to an adult. And I was, like, trying to ask my mom like, but why? Why can't I go there? Like, what's, why is that? You know, give me a reason, you know, as a six-year-old. And it's, like, having a massive tanty about that. Because I just didn't understand it because I, would you know, I was living in Australia, which, you know, on the northern beaches in Manly. And it was, like, so different, you know. But, um so that's where South Africa is. It was so strange in that way, you know, in terms of, like, everything, um, every part of your life was according to your racial classification. Now, yeah. so, like, it's, my it's birth It's hard certific- to even
0: get your mind around. Like, oh, dude, dude. Yeah.
1: It's, like, it's, it's unfathomable to think that that only finished in, like, you know, the early 90s. Like, that's... Yeah. Like, people... Uh, when I tell people that, they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, man. Like, this yeah. is... This is how it was, you know. In reality,
0: it wasn't that long ago.
1: No, it really wasn't, you know. And like I can remember going back there in apartheid times and everything else like that. And um, yeah, it's it's strange things. Like, you know, my so grandfather. With the, so so can I just ask, with apartheid
0: yeah, um, and you going back, I mean, you probably may not remember it as well, but like, did, well, actually, you might be able to answer the question anyhow. Did it just stop like a tap turning off? Or like a light switch getting turned off, or was it? Was there a, a gradual movement towards it ending?
1: Um, it was. It was more like a tap turning off in okay. a lot of ways. I so mean, like when you I went
0: mean, when you were two, you you left at two and you went back at six. Yeah, it was, went back you, you, a lot. It was exactly you know? the but it was exactly the same. Nothing yeah. changed. Like it wasn't getting better. It was no,
1: no. It yeah. was in fact getting like pretty gnarly with you know the resistance and everything else like that. It was getting. You know, okay. like in, it, you know, it was, it, it was like, it was like the last, you know, before the wall street crash, things were like going gangbusters, you know, it's like before all of that ends, it almost like, it's like that last dying breath that they're, like people are trying to hold on to it longer, you know? Yeah. And, um, there's all these strange things about apartheid, like, you know, I was, like my grandfather used to run this shop, you know, and there was this white farmer who lived up the road and he used to like my dad was telling me this story like he used to love Percy Sledge the singer right okay. and so this 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 white you know Dutch well Dutch background Afrikaans person was um you know he loved Percy Sledge until they put Percy Sledge on the record cover so he came right. back with with all of his like you know seven inches just and threw them down and was like you never told me he was a uh, effing k-word you know which is like it was like there's all these kind of weird things like that you know with apartheid and how that worked and everything else like that and i mean my dad was heavily involved in the resistance like my dad you know was in the anc and a lot of his friends got locked up and tortured and some of his friends got killed i mean my mom's Brother, at, sorry, at a younger age, or like even no, kind of, no, as you were around, mate. Just, mate, just before we, um, just before we came. Like, I mean, part of why yeah. we're in Australia was because dad's boss was like, "Look, I've got, you know, like, because look, a lot of my dad's friends had got locked up and tortured, and they had ninety day detention, which was like they could lock you up for three months without charge J- and stuff, and yeah. just like torture the crap out of you. You know, one of my dad's friends was killed, all this kind of stuff, and um, like. One one of his friends got out of ninety day detention. He came to my dad's office, and he's like, "They're coming for you next, man. Jesus. They know, you know." Like my dad was telling me this story about having to lead this 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 march, you know, in our Indian area, and like horrific, like it was like so. They le- he's leading this massive protest, and you know, there's grannies and everybody there because because of apartheid, everybody's existence. Became was political your very race is political right so yeah like so but he's leading this protest and there's like grannies and all this kind of stuff and one of his friends goes like who was like you know they used to have people up ahead of the protest to check out what was going on yep and he was like look fico that's my dad's nickname you've got to turn this around right now dad's like looking behind him and there's like you know a thousand people maybe more and he's like how the fuck am I going to turn this around? And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You have to turn this around. There's tanks and there's guy the, you know, security police with guns and all this kind of stuff. And this is going to end badly. You've got to turn this around. And so somehow my dad says he doesn't know how he did it, but he managed to like um, you know, <laughs> make the protest disperse yeah. and go home and stuff. And then dad bailed to like to our house where we were living and all this kind of stuff. And he was telling my mum and I was just, you know, I was maybe one year old at this time. And he was like, look, we've got to go. Let's get the, get the clothes. Um, we're going to swap cars with your brother and we're going to drive across the border because it's gnarly. They're essentially coming for me. And then there was like a knock at the door and it's at my granny's place, you know, and, um, and it was the security police. And so there's my mum with like a bundle of clothes and just me, and they and they walk in and dad obviously bailed out the back and hid under the bed and they like my mom was sitting there too afraid to move while these security police like sat in our lounge room like just like well where is he you know and um he was hiding <laughs> and uh yeah like with me on 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 that bundle of clothes and then he was like well I've got a son now this is way real like my when my dad used to go to sleep his um you know his mum used to like like this is when like my parents were married and I was born, like would leave like a thermos of Milo and like a packet of cigarettes on the edge of the bed in case he needed to just like piss off in the night essentially. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so dad had this opportunity to come to Australia and so mum and dad came on holiday and like left me with my nan. Yep. And they like, they went to like Australia and they were just like, you know, manly beach it's like holy crap okay let's move here you know what i mean like yeah um, okay <laughs> yeah. and so and so yeah then we came to australia and yeah it's pretty it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy when you think about it but that was just life there you know like that was how it was like um even my grandfather ran like you know uh, uh political guys in the anc across the border in his car you know like my dad used to do it a lot but like even my grandpa did it once or twice, you know, <laughs> like that was just the nature of apartheid and the, resist- and the resistance and how all of that essentially worked, you know, it's, um, it's pretty crazy. So like, you know, a lot of my mates know I'm fairly political, but when I go back to South Africa, talking about politics isn't a strange thing because yeah. everything about our lives was political, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah no absolutely
0: yeah just by literally yeah just by being born, yeah. you're already put into a kind of political. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, I've I've got like I said, I've got my racial classification on my birth certificate, which, and that classification means a lot about your rights and what you're entitled to and where you can go. You know what I mean? Like I remember going back to South Africa just before apartheid ended, and like you know we went to the zoo. And it was like there's this lawn there at the zoo, and it's like, well, we're not allowed on that to have a picnic, you know. Like it was still, it, it just it just meant everything, you know. So, yeah. So, so that's that's your existence essentially. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's it's crazy to think about now, you know. Yes. Yeah, so
0: why, like, when I think of flying to South Africa, or like yeah, traveling to South Africa, I'd assume you'd go via Perth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did like did they come the did they come the other way or do they hit Perth and then keep going? No, you hit Perth and then you that that used to be the I mean, it's still the I still I think it's, it's still the same flight number, QF63 and QF64. Okay. Like yeah. 60, QF63 is um Sydney to Joburg via Perth and yeah. QF64 is is the return. is the return, you know, so 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 why do they keep going to Sydney? Like why um, not stop at Perth? Well, that that's where the job was. Ah oh, right okay. And and also um oh, geez I'm glad they did, you know no offense to people from yeah. WA but geez I'm glad they didn't <laughs> you know yep. end up in Perth because yeah like I mean I once um you know I was once seeing someone whose parents were white South African who came and settled in Perth you know and she once told me I was like when I knew everything was over was she said oh we my parents got out you know before the bad stuff happened I was like Oh, when did they get out? It was like '94, which is when Mandela was elected, right? So <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh, this is over."
0: Yeah, their um, their viewpoint of bad stuff was different to yours.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah. glad we didn't end up in, in Perth with, all of, that stuff. You yeah, know, that, yeah. <laughs> that kind of comes, that kind of comes with it. And you know, I was stoked. Like, I mean, we moved, we moved to Manly. You know, on the northern beaches. It was like, you know, you, I can't imagine for my mum who was like. Like 25 when, when we came here, what that was like is like a an Indian woman from Muslim background to come to Australia and just like, you know, oh that woman that white lady just called me love. What the yeah. hell? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm We're allowed just...
0: to I'm allowed to go to the beach if I choose. You know yeah. that kind
1: of yeah yeah like I mean Fuck. you know and my parents like soaked that up and um, it was kind of cool in a way because like you know there are you know, sort of distant relos who live in, who live in Sydney and they all lived in the same area with other South African Indians and stuff. And my dad was like, no, we're not leaving apartheid to enforce our own apartheid against us. So like, I was really lucky that we got to grow up so free in that respect. You know, there wasn't Mm. any of that old stuff hanging over us in any way, like, which is pretty epic when, when I think about it now. And like, just like how smart he was and all of that kind of stuff, you know. So,
0: did he get his political activism from? And when I say he, like, was your mum politically active as well, or in the same regard, or
1: like? Yeah, I mean, not not as active okay. for sure, but you know, they were they're a team, you know. So yeah. they were they were together. Mum was helping as well, like you know, organising and things like that. But you know. It was a bit more dangerous, so... Did he inherit that from his um, from your grandfather or um, was it was it like... Uh, was your
0: grandfather relatively active or... Sorry, but that's probably the better word. Was your grandfather not, not relatively active or... Yeah, so your dad kind of just... Not took it upon himself, but like he had the fire in
1: him to kind of go above and beyond what most well, other people were doing. Well, he always like said, like, you know, I've talked to him about this a lot. And he always said like, you know, he always felt horrified for how... You know, uh, African domestic workers were treated and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. But the day that really politicized him was when, you know, he had a, you know, he was working and so on. And he had this thing called Meniere's disease, which is like a horrific form of vertigo, you know, like which basically you can't find your equilibrium. It makes you like sick. It makes you, you know, like you look like you're just drunk. It's
0: more than just dizziness, it's... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. really...
1: It's, um, it's not like Lucille 2 on Arrested yeah. Development. Yeah, I was, was
0: going to go there, but I thought if you want to go there, you're more than welcome no, to. No, no, so I'm glad like,
1: you did. <laughs> I'm always happy for an Arrested Development reference and, you know, yeah, I laugh good. about a lot of this stuff because, you know, you don't laugh, you'll cry. But, um, yeah, that's you <laughs> true. know, so like uh, when, you know, Dad w- I was having this Menures attack and he just needed to sit down, you know, and needed to lie down. And he, and he sat down on this park bench and these South African police officers, you know, it's the park we're not allowed to be in. And these South African police officers beat the crap out of Dad, and that's when he went from like being a little bit political to a lot political. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah, it's um, yeah, so that's where, like, that's that's the moment he says, you know, where he was really became super politicized, more so than just sort of around the edges of it. And Dad's friends were like super. Like, I mean, some of the guys dad trained became, like, ministers in the New South African government after Mandela was elected. So, like, you know, that was, yeah, it was it was pretty serious business anyway. Yeah,
0: Jesus. <laughs> so, with that, you know, without jumping too quick into something a bit lighter, was music <laughs> much of a thing at
1: home? Oh, absolutely, man. Like Yeah, um, good. Oh, dude, my dad is, like, was, like, super into music and so is mum. Like, mom loves music and, you know, so like for my dad music was like he was heaps into like his dad had like you know like in the 70s he had like rad long hair and like wore flares and cool boots and yep you know like there's photos of him like like leaning on his car like looking cool you know all of that kind (laughs) of stuff and um yeah they both love music but dad like loved like you know like 70s hard rock like you know jethro Tull, um deep purple he loves the doors he loves Credence, you know, but he also loved like, like soul music as well, like stacks, you know, like Otis Redding, Sam and Dave, yep. all of that kind of stuff. And mom is hugely into like Bob Marley and the Whalers, Peter Tosh, but she also loves like, like, you know, she loved like Boney M and like, <laughs> you know, like, um, she loves like Bollywood songs and
0: okay. Like, right. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, like there was also, you know, a big tradition of like Indian, like Sufi music, like uh, Kowali, which is like devotional kind of stuff, like Nasrat Fatali Khan is, would be like, you know, a really well-known exponent of that. So like music was always a thing and with, you know, culturally music was always a huge thing for us as, as you know, so like at home when I was a kid and everything, there was always music going on, you know, I used to, put on records you know I, w- I would be djing at parents parties like not see djing you know like not scratching or anything not scratching although, but hear. Yeah. although when i got into hip-hop later i did wreck my parents record t- um like turntable yeah. trying to scratch
0: yep i've done that before too oh yeah, dude it was it <laughs> was, it was, it was no one tells d- you they're not made for that
1: no just, no not that not no. just the consumer home ones you know it's not yeah. the Technics or anything you know no. like yes yeah, so i've ruined their record player but you know so music was always a thing and my dad used to make us like, well, not make us, but like used to get us to listen to everything. And when we'd be like hanging out in the lounge room and stuff, dad used to put on like, like he loves jazz as well. So he'd put on like jazz and classical and stuff and be like, and like turn off all the lights and be like, Sweet. just close your eyes and just listen to it. Just f- like pick one instrument and follow it. Like you'd get mad into it, you know? But That's he never really, Yeah, he never really played music himself, but he was like, he plays tubla a bit, but you know, like, he was super into it in that way, like, you know, like, like really like kind of like, and he'd hire out like when we were in Australia, like, you know, the stacks in Europe video and like we'd watch that and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, and then mom, like being in mom's car, she had like music going constantly, you know, Bob Marley in the way. like, I used to think um, jamming was like about traffic jams because we're in the car. I don't know why I made the connection <laughs> between the two, but, like, I had no idea that, you know, and she loves, like, Peter Tosh Legalize It, that album, even though, like, she doesn't smoke weed, doesn't She's touch, drink, or drugs. Yeah. No, but she she loves, like, Peter Tosh as well, and, like, she'd be listening to, like, Indian music, and when we came to Australia, we had some amazing uh, friends who were, like, my auntie Betty and Uncle Jack who are both since passed, but they were, like, our Aussie grandparents, and they were yep. from the country. Like, they were from, like, Wellington near Dubbo which is where we actually became Australian citizens was like on Australia Day in this mad massive public you know naturalization ceremony. Kind of sort of yeah. Oh, yeah. no, it was in the park and we were oh, like right, in, okay, in yeah. the Wellington paper and all of that kind of stuff, you know. But like my auntie Betty loved John Williamson and so so did my mom. So like even like I saw my mom today and I was talking about her liking John Williamson, and then she just started singing in her Indian accent. Like, she started singing True Blue. Dude. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Fantastic. That's unreal. Um, and that was a weird thing, right? It's like, like I've got um, True Blue on vinyl signed to me because when my mum and Aunty Betty went and saw John Williamson at, like, the fucking RSL or something, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. they got they got signed. It's like, to my mate Muama, which is, like, my real name, you know? yeah and, and so it just seems so incongruous to my mate and then this Arabic name <laughs> you know it's like from the um, from the most Australian musical performer like ever oh man and I like no lie like I, I still love True blue like I know it's yeah it's ridiculous and stuff like that but like you put it on at the right moment and I get a bit choked up you know I don't yeah. know maybe it's just thinking about my auntie Betty but like, so, like, the tale of Broker Morant and stuff like that mixed with, like, Bollywood and everything in the cast. So, music was just, it was just a constant, you yeah. know? And back,
0: so in, um, back in uh, South Africa, like, I mean, obviously, you weren't listen- you were really young. But, like, were your, was, was it taboo for an Indian guy to listen to, or oh, an Indian person, sorry, to listen to, like, white rock and roll? Or like was that was that accepted from other Indians and
1: stuff? Oh, it was fairly accepted. I mean, like, okay, some more so than others, you know. Like, but they were all kind of hippies, yeah. right? Okay, you know. So, <laughs> like, heart, yeah. Well, like, so that was the age. You know, my dad's born in 1950, so he was 18 in 68. You know, and they were all yep. kind of hippies, but it came a bit later to South Africa.
3: Yeah, I can just imagine
1: because of sanctions and everything. And there's certain things like you know with that searching for Sugar Man, for example, like. There were certain things that hit off in South Africa that yeah. didn't necessarily hit off everywhere else or like didn't get there. You know what I mean? Like yep. like my dad, like I love the Beatles, but my dad's not that big into the Beatles. Like he's like, Oh, that's kind of bubblegum music, you know? Like
2: I'm like, Fair dude, enough. listen okay. to
1: Revolver. Are you yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But but you know, like it's just weird how like things filtered through that were just a bit different to say if you're living in Australia or England Absolutely. or America, you know? Yeah. So like my dad loves the Guess Who, like they were huge with him and his mates, you know. And it's like that's not that's kind of like like don't get me wrong, I love them, but they're kind of like an also ran band as far. But for them, they were like, nah, man, the Guess Who are the shit. They were
0: the, yeah, they <laughs> were the
1: epitome of it. Yeah, there you go.
0: Sick. So let's um, I mean, there's a million things you could you could kind of pick off, but like, what are we gonna go with?
1: Yeah, that was a real like the first one was really tough because like yeah. You know, I could have gone with, like, Bob Marley and the Whalers stuff because, like, I, I still, like, it's weird, right? Because, um, you know, being Indian, being a migrant and stuff like that, I don't have, like, any kind of cultural weirdness around stuff that, you know, other dudes, like, oh, I don't like ska, I don't like reggae, I don't like funk or anything. It's like, I don't, there was no, there was nothing that was really for me, you know, or with people that look like me or anything else like that in terms of popular music, so, like, it kind of, it could go anywhere, you know, but, like, I'd love to play some, like, Otis or something like that, but I think I'm actually going to go with um, Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes by Paul Simon off the Graceland album.
0: what a song. Fuck yes. (laughs) Okay, so, you didn't mention Paul Simon's at all, but is it because of, is it because of the Graceland's kind of South African affiliation?
1: Exactly. Like, I mean, my parents loved that record when it came, I mean, everybody's parents did, I think, but... yeah. But my like, you know, that's that's South African township music mixed with like my dad likes Simon and Garfunkel as well, but yep. that's like South African township jive music mixed with you know white pop music and like the playing like I still listen to Graceland all the time, like you know I love that album and I specifically picked this one because like um they're, they're just you know you know the the bass player on that um. Bakiti Kumalo is just pff, a motherfucker. Yeah. And then yeah. and then <laughs> Ray Peary, the guitar player, who was just incredible as well. Like, I love this song because, like, there's this the conversation that happens between the guitar line and the bass line, you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're kind yeah. of, like, conversing with each other in this really beautiful kind of African way. And, like, Paul Simon's lyrics are kind of... Like different to like say the box or anything like that, they're a little bit Africanized in terms of the storytelling and how it goes, and I still don't know what diamonds on the soles of her shoes even means like I still don't quite understand it, but like, so
0: I think uh, it's like I always thought well I'm sh- like I thought it was it referred to uh, the go- um a girl who was so financially well off like a, a guy who falls in love with a girl who. Male man, well probably can't get to because of the um, social divide and economic kind of barriers but she this girl is so rich that she can afford to have diamonds on the soles of her shoes because it doesn't matter like where people have rubber or whatever the fuck shoes are yeah, made out of, yeah. and they just burn away that she's got so much wealth and she's that she's on that such a high echelon of yeah, well, wealth that's and societal status or whatever that her shoes have got diamonds on the soles of them because who the fuck cares because she'll replace them soon anyhow and that it's you know diamonds are uh, don't mean much to her. Oh not, don't yeah, no, to her, No, no, like, I dig yeah, it. I yeah. dig it
1: because it's like you know. Well, that's one way to lose these walking blues with diamonds on. You know, because everybody else's walking is is harder and, and and tougher than just like skating through almost. You know. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, like the, the the diamonds on the soles of her shoes. It's very like African imagery in terms of that that way of describing that, which I kind of I love too. So yeah, yeah. That's Let's go with that Dude.
4: one. Awa I would try it like a leg. Oh, this is winning.
5: Awa awa Sibona wins a cabincha. Awa awa i I asked. She's a rich girl, she don't try to hide it. Diamonds on the soul shoe in the He's a poor boy, Sibona, empty as a pocket empty as a pocket with nothing to lose sing ta na she got diamonds on the soles of her shoes na she got diamonds on the soles of the shoes diamonds on the soles of her shoes diamonds on the soles of her shoes diamonds on the soles of diamonds on the soles of her shoes He makes the sign of a wave The poor boy changes clothes And he puts on aftershave To compensate for his ordinary shoes She said, honey, take me dancing But they ended up by sleeping in a doorway By the bodegas and the lights on over Broadway Wearing diamonds on the soles of their shoes I could say ooh, 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 ooh. And everybody you know what I was talking about I mean everybody you would know exactly what I was talking about I'm Talking about time uh,
0: Fucking jam. I, that was like this. I did, I did not see that one coming. That's fantastic. I mean, I would have been
1: so with whatever you picked, but that was fucking fantastic. So, yeah. Oh, man. It's just musically, it's still stunning. You know, I've got like on my music player, like because I still listen to like, I love, I don't listen to, uh, I try not to, like I've got Spotify, but yeah. I still have like a music player and I've like ripped all my CDs in lossless because I read this thing about, you know, um, Lossless music being more emotionally satisfying, and there was this study about it done okay. and everything. And so I still listen to my music player and stuff, and like, yeah, I put on that album all the time because it's just stunning the playing on yeah. that. But I've got like, uh, you know, a few compilations of like Soweto Township music, and you can hear why Paul Simon just went, oh, I've got to get some of this, you know, like
0: yeah, I need to be, I need to do, yeah, make this a part of what I'm doing. So what with the lossless stuff. What do you mean you've got a music player? Like, as in you've got a Zonos or whatever
1: or? Oh, yeah. It's, it's just a, what is it even? It's a Panasonic, you know, they, they, they sell them in in Japan more okay. than anything. Like, you know, they don't really sell them much here. And once my iPod died, I, I went down this rabbit hole and started asking mates to like come over and like rip their CDs. And like dudes were like, dude, I'll just give you my CDs, you know? Yeah. And because yeah. I'd lost so many just to CD wallets and Sharehouse yep. living and all the rest of it and then yep yeah and i and it's m- more emotionally satisfying and i do notice that because like say um all right so it's not something you listen to for like the washy hi hat or something of an mp3 but like i want you to take a song that you've got a cd of right um that you, that you have an emotional connection to yeah. and like and like play the spotify version or something and then put the cd on and just listen to don't or don't even listen just pay attention to how you feel and like, okay. And I was reading this thing and uh, you know, I'm super into, you know, I'm a sound engineer and producer and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, the, one of these producers that I follow was like, look, check it out, check the emotional response to it. And, um, you know, that's what we're all trying to do with, you know, writing song, sound engineering, producing yep. all that stuff, right. It's like yep. create emotional impact and, and amplify emotional impact. And, I can't remember what song it was, but I had it on my iPod and it was like, you know, just some, you know, iPod rip, you know, whatever yep. format that was. And I was like, oh, or whatever." yeah, yeah. I've, I've got this CD and like, I, and I put it on the CD and it did, it wasn't even like listening to the artifacts of the compression, it was like my heart swelled and I got like, oh, it just felt so much more satisfying, like better, you wow. know, so, okay. I was like, so I was like, okay, um, this is legit. And, you know, like there's all this stuff about music in terms of why we as humans evolved music. And it's like basically to deal with, you know, the stresses of life and the, you know, the whole, you know, the disconnect of we're going to die, all this kind of stuff, you know, to to, 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 to cope with existential crisis, you know. To soften that blow, yeah. Yeah, and like, and I'm like, man, I listen to music for pleasure because that's what, like music's probably one of the most important things to me. So... Why am I cutting out? And I'd, I liken it to like watch a YouTube video on 240p and then watch it in HD. Yeah, 4K or whatever. Yeah yeah, 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 You notice it there. Why, like, and we don't notice it as much with music. And it's not even like a cork sniffer thing. You know, yeah. like I've showed this to <laughs> like this, this, this experiment to like coworkers who just, you know, have nothing to do with music or sound or anything. And they're like, damn. I'm like, tell me a song you love. And, and then it will find it. You know what I mean? And like one of my coworkers it was Oasis and did this to him recently. He was like, holy shit, man. And I'm like, you know, obviously there's suggestion and, you know, I'm sure some somebody who's like super science is going to get annoyed about this. Cause it's not about a pure empirical kind of yeah. <laughs> peer-reviewed yeah. study. It's about but but fucking who cares when it's when it concerns emotion. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's not it's not about that. It's about feelings. And so but yeah like I've done this for other people and they're just like Holy shit, man. So, yeah, that's why I got this like music player, and it just takes, you know, mini SD cards or whatever. And they've got butt tons of storage on it now. So, you know, why not? So, like, I, when I've been listening to Spotify for a while, I'll chuck on the player. I'm just like, oh, damn, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> music, this, HD. This is how it should feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's fucking wild. I'm going to keep that in if that's okay with you. Cause that's, yeah, that's fucking, yeah, that's really cool.
1: It's, it's, it's so random, isn't it? But like, yeah. But I don't know. I'm a nerd, so what are you gonna do? I watch no, Question Time for fun. Um, yeah, that's yeah, get the popcorn, watch Question Time. Here we go. Oh, dude, I've I've sat in bed watching uh, Scott Ludlam in Senate Estimates, like you know, like on YouTube. Like <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I'm I'm a nerd. What are you gonna do, man?
0: That's that's fine. See, so you your family comes out here in eighty four, eighty four, eighty five. Um, yeah, eighty four. Yeah, cool. Um, end up eventually. So they come out first, or no, no, we all,
1: we all came together. You ca- all came, came together.
0: together. Yeah, cool. Um, end up in Manly. Yeah. What, like, you're, you, but you're still travelling back to and f-
1: from South Africa. Yeah, to see just family. That all, our, all our families there, you know, like yeah. weddings. And so
0: no one else, like, was your, was your mother and, was your mum and dad, like, only children? Like, did no one else think
1: no, I maybe mean they, they should come out too, or they wanted they to stay there? They brothers and sisters and stuff like yeah. that. Like, I mean, my mum's one of nine kids. My dad's one of five. Yeah, And like, you know, they've offered plenty of times to like, look, we'll help you settle here, like come here. And they just didn't have it in them. And it's, and it is hard. Like, I mean, I see what my mom misses and what my parents missed by making that sacrifice for us. Like in terms of, you know, when my grandfather died or whatever, my dad was here, you know, like not being, yeah. not being there is like, it's significant, you know? And especially when you come from that bigger family, like, man, I love when I go back to South Africa because I'm like- Oh man, I come from somewhere <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah like like when I go to the laundromat In, in my hometown of Lodium um, Like I walk in And they'll be like Oh, you're Fico's son, right? Like just they know who my dad is You know, it's like They, it's, they it, can just see it in you? Yeah And like, you yeah. know, obviously the, They know my dad went to Australia But like people know you And know where you're from And like, you know, there's something Like there there's a lot of comfort in that So I think that's why, you know nobody came over like they came and visited and think it's amazing, but it's like, it's hard as well to start a life just in another country, you know, thankfully. Sorry, you were saying,
2: Oh, I
0: was going to say, and it doesn't get much more different than again, coming to Australia (laughs) from somewhere (laughs) like
1: somewhere like an Indian province of South Africa. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it's fairly significant. Thankfully, like when my parents came in the eighties, it was a bit different to how we are now. Um, in terms of, like, you know, like, there's a lot of anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim kind of sentiment in, you know, in previous governments and stuff since, you know, the Howard era on. Yeah. But um, when we came to Australia, we came to Australia in, like, Bob Hawkes Australia. We came, like, with, like, where, and and we were, like, Australia had sanctions against South Africa and, you know, like, the, you know, like, Australia was standing up against the apartheid regime of the time, so... Like when we came to Australia, it was more like, oh, like welcome, like join us. What do you, what do you got to offer? Like, what's your food like, you know? like Yeah. So it was, a, it was, a, like I said, we got naturalized in like near Dubbo, you know what I mean? Like, and we were like on the front page of the newspaper, people were like stoked that we'd come there to get naturalized, you know, it was... Yep. It's a bit different, well, so why why out that way? Did you did you not did you not move to Manly first? Did you? No, we did, but that was just where my auntie Betty was from, and we used to go. Ah, right, okay. We used to go up there for holidays and stuff like that. You know, um, yeah, I can't imagine what we did on holidays up there in the Central West. I mean, I still, yeah, I still love that place, even though like Wellington's pretty, you know, it's pretty affected by the ice epidemic and things like that nowadays. But ah, right, okay, yeah, like I mean. You know, I used to go there for holidays and all of that kind of stuff. When dad was busy, Mum and Auntie Betty would chuck us in the car and we'd go to Wellington for the week, you know. and Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah Wear a Cobras and I can still crack a stockman's whip, you know. Look at you. <laughs> You're more Aussie than fucking, Mate. you know, most people probably born in Wellington. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's so. a, the a funny thing, you know, like, mo- like there's photos of me like wearing, you know, and a Cobra hat in Wellington, like, 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 me and my brother were, like, putting on a concert for Annie Betty's rellos and that, like, you know, singing John Williams and songs and shit <laughs> like that. It's, like, so it's weird because, like, even though, you know, being a, a migrant and stuff, I came here when I was really young and all of that upbringing, I feel like, you know, super Aussie as well, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> fuck. Um, so, <laughs> there you go. So, you're the eldest of three. Yep a lot yep. of people that i speak to when i do this is like you know kind of get the influence off a bigger brother or a, or a, you know an older relative or that kind of thing but since you've moved out you've got no you've got no relatives out here no older cousins or whatever how are you kind of experiencing music for the first time
1: well um apart from apart from dad's influence and that obviously like um <laughs> my you know my parents reminded me about the time i took the Bruce Springsteen live box set In for show and tell, and all the kids like made fun of me, and like because (laughs) like everybody was into like bros and stuff like that, you know. But like, yep, but I was always, um, it's weird, you know, because a lot of people it's like that older brother thing, but I had like older mates and mates, and I was always kind of looking for that older brother influence, I guess, in in terms of music. Like, um, the first music I really got into when I was a little kid was like glam metal, like. Like, um there was a guy at my school, Frank Macri, who, like, took me under his wing when I moved to a new school, like, Big Hill primary. And his older sisters were into, like, poison and Guns and Roses, like, Sick. early, early, like, when we were, like, six years old. Yeah. And because I used to read a lot, like, I used to read a lot from a young age. And, you know, I'd save up pocket money or, like, you know, like, get, like, birthday money and that. And parents would often chuck in as well for, like, magazines and stuff. So, I used to yeah. read anything related to music whether it was like you know like smash hits magazine or hot metal yeah yeah yeah
0: absolutely <laughs> you know Cause so it's, like, all, it's all just music it's not you know i guess you're not at that age where it's like it has no. to be you know pigeonholed or whatever it's just like no this is rad like this is
1: this is all awesome so like yeah, i remember being poison
0: like, transvision Vamp, whatever yeah, bring it all
1: on yeah it, it was all good you know like banana rama and whatever yeah. else you know but like i remember me and my mate frank used to think we were so badass Singing like poison and Guns and Roses songs when we're in like year two, we thought we're like mad metal, you know, like that was Sick. like we're like super metal, you know, but like, yeah, but then, um, you know, me and my mate had a falling out when we're in like year two, oh, <laughs> as you tragic. kind of weirdly do, and um, but then you know, there was a guy up the street, um, f- from my house, and we, you know, we had that whole growing up, you know, you as soon as you get home, you get on your pushy. Yep. um you go Hit the riding yeah and then as soon as the streetlights come on you got to come home yep. and and so my mate Dallas um his older brother Nathan was this badass like skater and he was heaps into hip hop and stuff like that like okay. just rap music like public enemy and all that stuff but again being super young we didn't have the understanding of like pop hip-hop versus like so we'd listen to like two live crew to mc hammer you know yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> i like, like, think it's all the same thing it's yeah. all and like bobby brown and we just have like discussions about why bobby brown was rap or not like you know we were really young <laughs> like all of this r- ridiculousness but it was all like you know and we we're heaps into the dancing and like practicing like because you know like all oh, the moves yeah Hammer was oh, like
0: yeah Dude, so what's or, the, was it the hammer? What's the slide oh, thing yeah. he used
1: to do? Dude, I can... Oh, yeah, that... that I can't remember the name of it, but, like, I can still do the running man and a bunch of those moves. Fuck yes. Because, like... And, you know, like, so my mate Dallas was a bit older than me. And so, like, you know, we, I used to tape stuff off him and everything else like that, which is actually... It kind of leads into the, the second track I picked. Yeah. Because my, my old man, that was, like, a big... That was a slight divergence from stuff that my dad could get on board with and his yeah, issue with sure. the with the rap thing was all the swearing okay. which is funny because like when I hang out with my dad I swear constantly now like and that's my yeah. mum's influence because she's she swears like crazy like she swears like a sailor it's so funny yep. but um like she F's and C's and like <laughs> you know she oh. really she's really taken that part of Australia on and um actually all my cousins swear back home as well like crazy so my dad didn't like the swearing too much. So um, yeah. that was always his big problem with with rap. And I remember um, it was like maybe the first or second cassette single I, I'd ever bought was um, NWA's 100 Miles and Runnin'. Jesus. <laughs> and the, the thing is that like I was super young and like I was just so naive as well. Like I remember like, you know, like it was just so naive. And because... I used to watch Rage like crazy and used to set the video to like tape late night Rage when I was like 6, 7. I'd get up at like 5 in the morning. Wow, and okay. always, and like And like watch Rage from then till it finished, you know. Like that was phew, that was my constant, you know, from like 5 years old. So like the 100 miles and running single, like on the video clip, right, it's got no swearing because it's... Yeah,
0: they yeah, they kind of slur it out or beep it, it out. It was censored. Yeah. So yeah. I
1: bought, I bought this, the cast single and I was like super stoked to like show my old man because I'm like, dad, dad, check it out. It's a rap song. It doesn't have much swearing in it. Oh. And, and I <laughs> brought it home <laughs> and put on 100 Miles and Run single, the uncensored version. And um yeah, like, you know, yeah. motherfucker. And it's like, it like third line in the song, you know. And one of the main reasons, I don't give a fuck, you know. It's like, ooh. And then yeah. we waited like halfway through the tape and then he was just like, oh, I think you should put that off now. Wow. <laughs> so It's pretty good of him to
0: kind of keep it, keep it level-headed.
1: Uh, he was always cool like that. You know, like yeah. even, even when I got older and he was like teaching me to drive and stuff like that and I got a car, like, you know, bubble back laser. <laughs> what's up? Um, <laughs> and, you know, like when dad would be in the car teaching me to drive and I'd be playing the music because I always used to make mixes of my parents' stuff. Like, yeah. of my parents' records and everything like that. But, like, so my old man, when I was, like, learning how to drive, would, like, you know, we'd have the vandals live fast on, like, Sublime and stuff. And he'd be, like, you put on what I got now, he'll still start singing along, you know That's what fucking, I mean? that's fantastic. Yes. So he yeah. so always gave us a lot of space like that to, like, be us and have an opinion, which is... Pretty cool considering where he comes from and everything like that. So yeah, yeah, I have to go with my second song. It would have to be NWA, 100 Miles and Run.
0: would have been that sounds like a lot more what's the word i'm after it sounds a lot angrier than no you know and that's really weird to say for a band like nwa but like is that towards the tail end of
1: their their them yeah, being so a that's, group yeah so that's like after straight out of compton yeah and it's like there's um uh there's even like i'm pretty sure there's like an ice cube slight diss on it now it's four because the fifth couldn't make it. You know, like yeah, um, right. Yeah, like so so, th- so that was after th- Ice Cube. It started crumbling. Yeah, that was that was the beginning of of the end of NWA for sure. Like that was like you yeah. know Ice Cube wasn't in the band anymore. All of that kind of stuff. But like man, we were listening to that next to like you know like maybe Vanilla Ice was by then, and like we listened to that. Then like Two Live Crew, Me So Horny, which <laughs> we had to put turned down when we we're listening it to it because of all the the sex stuff but like to like mc light you know like it was just like 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 we we didn't know any better you know so hip-hop hip-hop was kind of your
0: you like your first real love as opposed to like back then you didn't kind of i mean you said you kind of were into it but um you said like you sound like kind of hip-hop took more of
1: a front seat as opposed to that glam metal stuff or
0: was glam metal just as equally as there but you just went with well, like NWI no once
1: once I got into hip hop, all the glam metal stuff just like disappeared for me right like, okay. it was like it was like it was hip hop and rap, and like you know like yeah, practicing the moves like I had like a flat top hairdo, and like my parents like See. were even cool enough to like let me shave like you know I had like the hairdresser put like lines you know yep in yep, my hair before. All all that kind of stuff. Like, they were really cool about all... (laughs) Like, when I think about it now, like, my mum sewed us, you know, MC Hammer style pants that we could wear to, like, the school disco and... Golden. (laughs) They were very encouraging, which I'm pretty sure they might regret now. Do you think that, like,
0: this is going to sound odd, but do you think that's kind of, like, their way of embracing the freedom that is Australia? Or do you think they, you know, would they have done that back in South Africa?
1: I don't know, man, because there's so much familial pressure and, like, pressure from all the people around to, like, you know, be like everybody else. That Yeah, it probably had a lot to do with, like, you know, just, like, let them go, let them do what they they want in that way, you know. They were strict in other ways, but... And, you know, music was so important. Like, it's like, well, this is my, you know, music was my passion, so... When I was a little kid it was it was everything, man. So like still is. <laughs> but um yeah. but you know, I think I think that was it. Yeah, I think it was about like embracing that freedom to let us to grow into our own people. Sick.
0: That's that's yeah, so sewing, sewing MC hammer pants is like above and beyond because you know, it wasn't it wasn't a fashion sent a fashion um Q that kind of stood the test of time.
1: Definitely No, it definitely didn't. <laughs> yeah, like, it's I don't even yeah. I've man, I don't I even think for me, like at that age, it only lasted like six months to wear those pants. You know what I yeah. mean? Like
0: Yep. <laughs> and then you started getting um Raiders hats and stuff.
1: <laughs> I wish I could have got a Raiders well, hat, man. Yeah, like that would Yeah, you that, that? would have been insane. Like I still so, see um LA Raiders merchant get psyched. I'm like, yeah, like well, when it was, you know, LA or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. Have they moved yet? I was like I think I moved to like Oakland or something like that and yeah, it was I was like Oakland it, and then yeah. Yeah, who knows. Yeah, there you go.
0: Um okay, so you were pretty uh, rebellious isn't the right word from but you know you were you were very on the tip of kind of stuff that would piss your parents off at a yeah. younger age. <laughs> um then so what comes next after hip hop? Um so after after hip hop and, and and sorry not not after hip hop as in like you moved on from it but
1: like as you expand your well, Your parents, I guess. I'm, I moved pretty quickly onto like maybe when I was like eleven and twelve. Like I think it was like you know, alternative music was starting to cut through. You know, yeah. So it was like, like, like you know, f- f- like all of those kind of early nineties alternative albums that just rule, like, and still yeah. do, like, do, you know, like, yeah. I, oh man, I remember being, I think it was like, like on the year five or year six. Um, last day of school, like excursion thing, you know, you go to the yep. beach or whatever it was. And like, I don't know why, like I, I probably do. Like it was weird. That's it. In year six, for some weird reason, like in my primary school, there was just too many kids for two classes. So they had two full classes of year six. And yeah. then there was like 10 of us in a composite class. Was like, like five, year six? Th- no, year three. Jesus, that's weird. And here's the other thing that you kind Wait, of. Sorry, like, before you go, on, were you
0: advanced? Well, like, were you considered the advanced group? Or what was just like, no, was man. There, no? Okay, right?
1: No, what well, the, the crazy thing about it is a year three class. Yeah, dude. And Fuck. now I think about it, like like now as an adult and realizing what, like, okay, so in my class it was only like, and this is Beacon Hill, Northern Beaches, etc. It was only like, um, like Asian kids. Like um, like Slavic immigrants and and Indian kids in this class. And the, the other two classes were like lily white. It's like I only realize now I'm like, damn, they put all the kids, they put all the kids whose parents wouldn't complain in the one class. Like, so, oh, yeah. you know, I kind of was a bit ostracized from what used to be my mates and stuff and I don't know, we just kind of formed our own little like crew but a lot of those dudes didn't go to school and, uh, on the last day. So I yeah. remember like having the cast single of, um, of Rage Against the Machine, Killing in the Name.
0: Oh, forget oh, about
1: like, it. Oh. Like, oh, dude. And like driving home, like on the bus and like sitting there with like my, it wasn't a Walkman, but it was like some cheap Woolies kind of thing, you know, like the, there's yeah. a tape player though with headphones and it was like, you know, the like fuzzy headphones like the- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, one yeah, of those kind so. And, yeah. um. Oh, just rewinding the fuck you I won't do it, you tell me bit over and over and even though I'd listen to plenty of music with swearing in it just like kept on rewinding that bit and like listening to it again and again like on the bus on the way home from school you know so like alternative music kind of was was the next thing for me but yeah but like that kind of set me up for punk rock you know what I mean like that was like the the lead into punk rock for I think for a lot of people our age, you know what I mean? It was like yeah, Nirvana, Chili Peppers, like Rage Against the Machine, kind of set you up good for for when punk oh. rock really just exploded, you know.
0: Like I had a I was have, I've, I'm sure I said it with someone recently. I'm not sure if I said it on a podcast or what where the conversation kind of happened, but like yeah, at that age, it it was almost like yeah, like Nirvana, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rage Against the Machine, Metallica, Green Day. They were all the same thing when you're that age. They were all the same thing, oh, because yeah. they weren't. They weren't um, rock set. I mean, you know, no disrespect to rock set, but like they weren't rock set, or they weren't. I can't even think of someone yeah, from like the early '90s that was a pop like a. They weren't
1: a, warrant. You know what I mean? They, they weren't, weren't warrant,
0: and and they weren't Paula Abdul or something like it. Was like oh, no, these yeah. guys play instruments. Oh, you know, these guys and girls play instruments and are somewhat aggressive and you know something I can kind of. Latch on to as a slight outsider or whatever.
1: I oh, do the Teen Spirit yeah. video made me lose my shit when dude. I was a little kid. Yeah. Like, like watching that on Rage was just like that was like a huge moment. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that stuff really. You know, it it was such a divergence, or it felt like such a divergence. Um, even though when you listen to Nevermind now, it's pretty slick. You know, like yeah, it listen, definitely
3: is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you listen to that but first Pearl Jam album, it's got hard rock production on it, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. But it was different and it was like, it definitely set me up for like punk and just being, and just I've always been like, even when I was younger, a bit of a contrarian and like <laughs> wanting to g- go slightly against the norm. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like even dude, even when I was getting into punk rock, like I'd wear like, like my Jimi Hendrix t-shirt to a punk rock gig and then wear... Like, which we'll get into in a bit, but like my propaganda, less talk, more rock shirt to a metal gig. You know, it was like okay, I yeah, was yeah. always like like the like, one with uh, the target on the the oh, white power yeah, target. Dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man. Yep, yeah.
3: I feel
1: you. <laughs> oh, dude, I was showing I was showing um my partner Natalie. I was showing her that shirt, and I was like, that was my favorite shirt when I was like fourteen, fifteen. I wore that so much, and like you know the pro feminist. Gay-friendly, gay animal-positive, gay positive. Anti, yeah, yeah, yeah. anti-fascist, you know, like, uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, animal-friendly, pro feminist gay-positive, anti-fascist and with the the anarchy thing on the front and the yep. dude in the white pride hat with the target on it. And with because the side on his, yeah. Oh, dude, and coming from, like, South Africa as well and, like, you know, because my dad, you know, like, you know, I was at free Mandela rallies when I was, like, five, you know, so, yeah. like, like, that was always a, a thing for me and, like, you know, propaganda especially, like because they were so on the front foot with all of that stuff, it was like, that was, but yeah, anyway. But yeah, so all of that alternative music really set set up well for for punk. And you know how you were saying that, you know, you Green Day and Nirvana weren't that different to what it felt like? I remember, yeah. like, you know, because when you don't know anything about the internet, like... People just saying that, like I remember, dudes were like, "Yeah, Green Day are from Seattle too," even though they're not. <laughs> no, really <laughs> yeah. not. Like Kinda you know, not, they're from yeah, they're from yeah. Gilman Street, but yeah. you know, like um, like we thought every band was from Seattle at that point. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That kind of that corner of the
0: world, and look, it's not. I mean, the reality is, it's geographically it's not that far, and to a certain point, like the mindset kind of was still very similar they all kind of came from like early incarnations of punk rock yeah uh, or hardcore punk kind of sound but yeah like that was kind of it like they definitely had their own divide and you know nirvana did one thing and green day and those bands did a a different thing that was still kind of similar but it was definitely
1: distinctly their own yeah right and then when like so when that first explosion happened you know with like green day and the offspring and Pennywise. Although I didn't get hugely into Pennywise because you know that green Pennywise shirt that was like yes. ubiquitous in the nineties? Yeah, every yes. surf jock had that and they were kind of yes. douchey. So like yes. I didn't listen to Pennywise until later on because like yeah. I was just like, I'm not listening to that. But like like I love Pennywise, Pennywise now. Yeah. But but yeah, so like when Green Day and all that happened, that was super different and we were right at that that great age to like right on top of all of that stuff, you know? And yeah. so um, w- for my third song, right, I was going to ask you to play um, Propaganda um, Nation States. Um, Dude. But can you play the I was Survival gonna say of which the which version? version? Yeah, yeah, cool. That's because fine. That's Because Survival of the Fattest was the pers- first punk rock CD I had. Yeah. Um, which is pretty rad. But Because like I had fat music for fat people on tape. I had the first Propaganda album on tape. But that was the first one I bought because I had ten bucks and I went into yep. Sandy's music in DY, which had a good <laughs> alternative selection. I was like, oh fat, yeah, and it's got like all these bands on it and Yeah. And like but I was still really quite conscious when I was young of like that that there was and had been like skinhead punk. So I was like super worried about like listening to racist kind of punk music. <laughs> or yeah, listening yeah. to even,
0: like, even by accident, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh dude, you know, um, Mother Superior The good riddance song on, yeah, yeah. on that On like, that comp yeah Oh dude For the first like Like when I first heard it I'm like You know he says Mother Superior I've got an angel on my back I yeah. thought he said I've got an Asian on my back Oh, right. And I'm like, like, I listened to it like heaps because there was like lots of anti-Asian sentiment kind of going around at that time. I'm like, no, fucking, you know, it's so funny when you think about how political good riddance are. But like, I was like, oh God, I can't listen to this. You know, (laughs) (laughs) like, and, you know, obviously like listened properly and and got the lyric. But, you know, so when I heard Propaganda, it was like, you know, from like, you know, the first song on fat music for fat people, Anti-Manifesto, but like then to hear nation states and just how fast it was and how that was slightly different to all the other bands on that, that comp and just how on the front foot propaganda were, you know, like it's, uh, I just like, that's like, that was my first, that was my band, you know, it wasn't an older brother's band. It wasn't, you know, a mate's older brother's music. That was, yeah. that was, you know, and I know you feel very similar about propaganda, but it's like, that was whoa, that was the first one that was like, these are mine. Like I cut out, you know, parts of like cause then I shortly after bought Let Talk More Rock when that came out. And like yeah. I cut out some of those essays and stuck them on my folder at school. <laughs> like that's <yeah>. awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So that um that's like I remember,
0: you know, that comp is obviously influential to so many people and especially so many people our age, you know, give or take. Yeah, Yeah. two years either side, three years either side or whatever. Um, But I still, like, I remember hearing it for the first time, like getting the comp or whatever and going, oh, this song's mad or this song's rad, whatever, da-da-da. And, but sitting with that Propaganda song just going, I don't know what it is about this song, but I know there's something to it more than just, literally every other song on the album and that's not to dismiss any other song on the album because it's fucking it's a, it's, it's, an awesome it's hit comp. after hit after yeah it's a fantastic comp but like that one was like the um, you know I'd liken it to this is going to be a really weird analogy but like imagine you're doing a, a tasting of anything like a, a beer tasting or a wine tasting or a cheese tasting or whatever yeah and you you hit one, and you go, that's cool. Like I like that because that's what I'm comfortable with. And I hit you hit you you drink another wine or whatever. You're like, that's cool. That's what I'm comfortable with. I really did that. And then you get that propaganda song. You're like, I really like this, but I also want to know more about it. Like I want to know yeah, totally m- even dude. more about like and because you just you could just sense that it was there was more depth to it than just. And again, this isn't putting shit on any other song of the album, but like. There was a lot more depth to it than a, a lot of the other tracks on
2: that
1: on that CD. So yeah, yeah, no, oh, yeah. So totally, man. Like, there's, like, there's even just in the aggression of Hannah's delivery. You know, Chris Hannah's just like the way he spits out publicly subsidized. You know, it's just like yeah, I've the rapid fineness of it. Oh, I've just got to pay attention to this and like mm. listen to the lyrics and what do those mean? Like, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I love. I love the snuff songs on it, both of them, Nick Northern and Walk. Yeah, they're both great. Yeah, I'll I'll still play Walk on my acoustic every now and again, just for a bit of like when I'm by myself, you know, like and just have a bit of a sing. But or but that was just so different to everything else. Like you know, like you know, probably Diesel Boy probably did appeal to me, you know, at on that (laughs) on that comp, you know. But like
0: as a, but you know, it appealed to your you know fourteen thirteen year old sensibilities.
1: Yeah, but like Propaganda like, were just something that I could sink my teeth into. Like, yeah. you know, um, there was a lot of marketing. You know, I love The Clash and I love a lot of music, but you'll hear me say yeah. that a million times, about a million bands probably <laughs> throughout the duration of this episode. But, you know, there was a lot of market. The marketing around The Clash was the only band that matters. And like yeah. Propaganda still to this day, like with everything they release, it's still one of the only bands that matters to Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Know? Yeah,
0: yeah. They um yeah like and you you're definitely not alone in that sentiment,
3: (laughs) right? Like I I completely a lot of my
1: friends had the same feeling you did, right? Yeah, like like it was just something to propaganda and there still is, you know. And And
0: just that's that's the amazing thing, like and yeah, there's there still absolutely is like, they're a band that you can be like, I'm gonna get like a a new album's been announced, I can't wait to hear. Like I can't wait, you know. Not sorry, not the new album has been announced, but like when a new album gets announced, you're like. I just can't wait to hear what they're going to bring to the table. Yeah. And you know, like what what issues they're going to bring, what nuance they're going to put to a particular subject and yeah.
1: Oh man, like, like Vic, when Victory Lap came out even, which is just recent, you know, like not yeah. that long ago, like there's still lines in that. It's just like, oh, Chris Hanna, you're the best. Yeah. <laughs> you yep. know? It's it's They're still the only band that matters, you know, even though like, you know, all bands matter and are amazing, but... They still are just that. And it's just amazing to think that how much that grabbed both of us. Yeah. And, and they still do. Like, damn.
4: Privately profitable, the anthem of the upper tier, but untouchable. Focus a moment, not in approval. Bury our heads in the barcodes of these neo colonials.
6: <laughs> a former nemesis, the moment of the nation state. That was a phrase of a new power, concentrate. Try again, but now I'm confused. What is class war?
0: Let's keep talking about you. So Manly Youth Centre is obviously (laughs) a fucking cultural, you know, Northern Beaches, um, what's the word? It had such an impact. Like, you know, fuck, I used to, again, it was a, I just explained how hard it was for me to get to a train station, but like me and uh, one of my best mates would regularly um, jump on the bus, then the train, then the ferry. So, yeah, two and a half hours each way. To go see shows at Merle Center. Like that place was and that place
1: was your backyard. That was your local. That was that was my local. Like, you know, I'd get on the 146 bus from Cromer and get yep. there in like, you know, 20 minutes and yep. like drink half a bottle of whiskey on the way or something. Like, which was disgusting. And so you never did
0: it in the you never did it at the cricket pitch
1: down the road? No, no, because we'd like try and do it beforehand so we wouldn't get busted by the undercover cops and everything yep. that was who that was around there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were the force. Like, but like, you know, like I've like definitely like smoked weed in those toilets and um, yep. at Manly Youth Centre, I definitely uh, hooked up with a girl down the side. Uh, like, you know, like of the, of the venue that you remember these? like, all right. So for people who don't know, Manly Youth Centre was like an all ages, uh, well, it's a youth centre. It's yeah. actually where I went to like play group when I was a little it, kid. Cause we oh, used did to, you really? Yeah, okay. you know, when, um, when we lived in Manly when I was like five years old. Like I used to live on Kangaroo Street, across the road which, from Manly Centre, which Center. is the, where the street it's on. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so <laughs> That's like i used, crazy.
1: I used to like see kids going to gigs when I was really young, and like ask them to go with and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. of course, like never happened. But yeah. like, so we were really lucky in that we had this all like you know, there's a lot of like you know, suburban beach kind of like wastoid kind of culture around there. But also, we were really lucky because we had this all ages venue that. Had like you know no effects the vandals you know I it was
0: the, it was the it was literally like one of the only two all age stops right on a on a touring band schedule in New South Wales like yeah. it was there or Manning
1: Bar yeah right right exactly yeah. exactly so I can imagine yeah why you guys would go there like we were so lucky and that like that was just up the road you could you know I remember like walking from high school Manly High School. Um, to Sandy's to get tickets for gigs and that. But like, yeah, for you from Milpera, like, holy shit, dude.
0: To get the ticket, we had to go into Red Eye, or (laughs) sorry, not Red Eye, Waterfront, to get the ticket. Like, and that was an hour each way, just to kind of get the thing. And then when when the show was on, then had to go back into the city, ferry
1: across, and then, yeah, do it all in reverse and catch that last ferry home at midnight. God damn. And that'd be a struggle to get to that ferry as well in time Mm -hmm. and...
0: Yeah, yeah, you had to. Yeah, if there was
1: an encore, you were probably missing it. It was, yeah, yeah. right. Holy shit, dude. Like, that's impressive. Yeah. And that's, but you know, I totally get that, like, the search element. Cause, like, you know, we, you know, uh, I mean, I know people say it a lot and they've said it a lot on your show, but like, you know, we didn't have, back in my day, we didn't have all this, you know, but yeah. <laughs> all the stuff. Yeah. All the stuff. But, but, but shit, it made you appreciate it more. And, yeah. Like, fuck, like you really had to like search out these bands, like thank you lists, you know, like a friend would hook you up with a tape, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, really have to go deep to, And uh, but I think there was value I- I- in going deep. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Th- there was always a payoff. Oh, totally. Like even just down to like getting a guitar sound, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you know, it took years for me to understand how to get a decent guitar sound. And it took a long ass time. Whereas like, you know, there's a lot of bands I produce now where it'll come in and they'll be like, they have got a Marshall. They've got a Les Paul. I've got a tube screamer, whatever. It is. I fucking hate tube screamers myself, but that's, a that's another story for another yeah, day, which I'm um, keen to
2: hear one day. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, um, but you know, like they've got all the stuff, but there was, but they don't understand what it takes to, to get to that point. And in that, in that journey is like, is is where there's magic and there's so much depth of understanding Even in terms of the music Like we only had a certain amount of CDs Or any, you know, my parents got a CD player When I was in like year eight, I think You okay. know, before that was cassettes and stuff like that So like even just to get CDs, man Was like, and you know, that's why those fat comps were so amazing oh, It was just like a tenor, yeah. yes
0: Yeah, yeah <laughs> You know, like I can, just... I can buy more with this, you know Yeah, yeah yeah, it's there was like you know you say what people can say what they, and this isn't going to be a fat mike podcast obviously but people can say what they want about fat records and fat mike in general but like he really did lead the charge with like putting his money where his mouth is or his mouth you know yeah his money where his mouth is we're doing what translated into australia is like pay, what, pay no more than 8 bucks or 10 bucks for the comp and
1: 20 bucks for the album like <sighs>
0: To, Without him, get a
1: comp and an album for 30 bucks. That was yeah, the same with, as like buying a full CD from someone yeah. else.
0: No, no one would have done that otherwise.
1: No. And like, you know, hats off. Like, I mean, I, I'm one of those people. I love to give shit to Fat Mike. At, but at the same time, like, like, if it wasn't for what he did, you know, I wouldn't know half the bands that I'd do. And yeah. I still will always... Have a soft spot in my heart for NoFX because, like, I mean, yeah. Punkin like it, fuck off! It's just amazing, um, yep. still is. <laughs> but yep. you know, and the de- like later, like you know, the decline. I was kind of off, like, sort of stopped listening to NoFX by then. But shit, it's still incredible. Like you know, and all the bands that he put out and still puts out. Yeah, like you know, like you, you, you gotta give him credit. And then you know, I remember when NoFX were playing at my local venue. Are you kidding? Like. Yep. That's amazing. Like I guess with with snuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like, oh, and then and then also having, like, but also with the youth center, there was always like local bands and younger bands who could kind of who got supports as well, and like that whole being able to see other people do it. Yeah. Was was massive for me. Like you know because again like. To go back to that, like, I never felt like a lot of music was for, like, no, you know, some dudes, he'd go, so, well, you know, it doesn't look like me, so I don't really I can't have yeah. an affinity for it. Like, yeah. I never had that because, like, the only thing that was for me w- was what I used to have a lot of cringe about was, like, you know, I used to have a lot of cringe about, like, Bollywood music and Indian music. I love Indian music now, and but, you know, like, none of that was for me, so... It was just awesome. You could see your mate's band supporting whoever, you know, and that was yeah. like, ah, oh, this like, like, you know, the wheel started turning about like playing music and all of and that. And even, even if, even like, yeah, a step before that, like you'd
0: see a bit, be- I mean, it was different to me from not living in that area, but I'm sure for you, like you'd see a band and then that dude, you might run into that dude at the CD shop or at the skate shop or at the skate oh. park or wherever, like, and it brought or it, it like- yeah. A girl from my school's older
1: brother, or something like yeah, that, you know? yeah. It
0: was it was totally like no, th- I know that guy. Like it, yeah. It's I see, like I saw him on stage, and now he's now he's here. Like
1: it, yeah. Made it so much more achievable. Yeah, and and with the punk and alternative. Although weirdly, it's weird I say that right because like I had friends who were in bands who were kind of doing things as teenagers and stuff as well. And but like it's weird that that was what what twigged it for me because like. When I was like, like, you know, when we moved to Beacon Hill, like I still live next door to Angry Anderson. Yes. <laughs> and like um, we were the kind of neighbours like in the old days where like, you know, you were in and out of each other's houses all the time and yep. all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, like I remember, you know, when one of his kids were born, like him and his sister had to rush off to the, the hospital and he was like, oh, can, you know, Moen was seeing my youngest brother, my middle brother, sorry. Um, come over and like hang out so and you know you guys keep an eye on him while they're living there and like you know they used to drive us to school in the morning and then mum would pick us all up on the way home like because like his daughter was like a year younger than me and stuff but that never yeah. that never twigged as something that I could do you know what I mean like even though yeah like I remember when he was re- like I lived next door to him when Bound for Glory came out and I and suddenly as well like before that like like, I remember him rehearsing suddenly over at his... You know, because we could hear him because we were close neighbours, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it banging was, it out. <laughs> yeah, fucking ridiculous when you think of it now. Like, um, especially, you know, as he got, you know, more political in his anti... You know, yeah. he you know he got affiliated with his anti-Muslim stance and I used to think that's fucking batshit because like you've sat in my mom's house eating her halal food and you love my mom's cooking. Like There's a photo about? of it. You've got a photo of it. Yeah, don't you? I've got – there's yeah. plenty of photos of him at like birthdays and shit like that, you know. And yeah. like our family was were quite close, you know. Like um one of my mates was working with Rose Tattoo recently, like a sound guy who was Hell City's sound guy. And he, um yep. you know, he was like, oh, you know, Gary says hello to your parents and that. It's just like <laughs> – it's just it's just incongruous, this, um, sorry, big side tangent, but um, yeah, you know, big tangent, but it's so incongruous that, you know, you love my parents, but you don't like Muslim migration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: you know? It's the old, it's the weird stereotype, like, not stereotype, but it's like the weird, yeah, someone yeah. wears the, I don't like Muslims hat, but then looks at your parents and go, oh, then, you know, they're the exception to the rule. It's oh. like, well,
1: they, like... Why? There's so many of that There's so many of yeah. that Oh man There's so many dudes Who are like Oh I don't like Muslim migration and stuff It's like But you work with a Muslim guys It's like Oh but Hamid Hamid's a good yeah. bloke mate You know It's yeah, like yeah. I feel Fantastic like heaps of, pe- heaps of people Like are fed This kind of Like bullshit By papers And by politicians Who want to exploit Their point of view Yeah To 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 hate and it's like but if you bring it up to them they're like oh yeah but he's good bloke
2: yeah he's <laughs> fine yeah i
1: don't mean him when i say it. i don't mean that guy no yeah yeah i don't i don't mean you know raj at the servo like he's yeah. a good bloke you know it's like yeah it's, it's in congress but anyway like i never had that with living next door to him and you know living next door to angry and stuff like that but yeah just that manly youth center like youth centers all ages shows punk bands you know that was like where it was like oh like you know i could be in a band you know and then like also just you know again not many dudes looking like me but i remember seeing um hard on something about you on rage late one night you know and and i saw cash playing drums and i'm like that that that's a that that blokes a curry muncher like me yeah (laughs) like (laughs) unashamedly yeah you know and that's like Oh, look at these guys. That guy, You know, that guy on bass is Korean. My best mate's yeah. Korean. Like, this is... What? You we know, can do this? Like, we are can, we allowed we. to do this? Yeah, right. Like, like I'm allowed to do this too? Like, yeah. oh, this is mind-blowing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's fucking so <laughs> rad. You were living in Manly. Were you playing guitar at the time? Or, like, um,
1: what was the impetus to pick it up? Um. Yeah. Like, I mean... I always, you know, was fascinated with music and I used to love, like, at parents' parties, even though, like, I would never do it myself now, ever, or even when I was a teenager, bust out a guitar at a party because it's just super douchey. But, like, at my pa- at my parents' parties and that, you know, when one of, um, you know, like, family friends who were, like, you know, uncle so-and-so, who was never an uncle, but, like, would bust out the guitar and everybody would have a sing-along, I was just like, ah, oh, this is, like... Like, I was thinking about it recently, and I was like, that held so much magic, you know, to me. Mm. It was like, oh, this is just a magical thing, you know? So, like, that was that was huge. And so, like, Year 7, alternative music, all of that kind of stuff, I really wanted to play guitar. And then I had these couple of mates of mine, and we did, like, you're forced to do, a, you know, whatever sport it was, and we chose soccer. But we okay. nev- we never played, like... If we were so you 7 like we did soccer, but the three of us never played soccer. We yes. just sat on the sidelines, like listening to our like, you know, Walkman rip offs um and exchanging music. And I was like keeps into Bob Marley and stuff like that. And I'd play them that and other things like, you know, like you know, like whatever tapes of alternative music I could get. And then one of those guys was Robbie, the drummer in Hell City Glamours. Yeah. And he liked um like zeppelin and hendrix and like he got me into like you know like hendrix jimmy plays monterey you know and like then i was just like all right i want to play a guitar you know like i I really want to play a guitar and i'd always wanted to play music before then but you know with kids like you just give up things all the time and parents were like yeah you know yeah. i bugged them forever about like playing guitar and one day you know, you're
0: a surfer Next day you want to ride motorbikes or whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know.
1: So like yeah. I had to like like make a deal with my folks that I'd go to like six months of guitar lessons if I got if you know if they got me a guitar and all this kind of stuff and like yep. yeah like uh, that was that was how I started playing guitar and then you know like it was like wanting you know the Jimi Hendrix thing and all that kind of stuff and then I remember when I hired like you know I used to have my guitar up high ish like Hendrix does. and (laughs) and then and then i remember hiring because we're also even though we listen to like alternative music like we still like like 70s rock as well like so yeah when like led zeppelin was like cool so like i remember like hiring out the song remains the same from the video shop you know and um and the next day my guitar strap went as low as it could go just yeah just (laughs) dropped yeah Yeah. i feel you yep (laughs) like uh, yeah and i'm still still like at low slung um I don't like guys that play the guitars too high. I just feel too like high. there's not yeah. enough hips in it, you know, and yep. rock and rolls about the hips, you know, like the the swing. And um but yeah, so that all happened and I had mates in bands and then punk and it was like, "Oh, you don't like I I bought in wholesale to the the ideas of punk, which were like, "Oh, you don't need to be good. You don't need to tune you get you know, you don't even need to yep. tune you. Know, even though, like, I gear doesn't like, have to be great. Just yeah, do yeah. it, kind of. Yeah. Oh man, I remember like playing my first like so. You know, then I was like fifteen thereabouts, and you know, played my first gig with, and it was Robbie from Hell City was the drummer of this band, and our band was called Outright, which is quite okay. funny considering wow. that there's yep. an actual band called Outright nowadays, and yep. like that are actually good because we were rubbish, and <laughs> and um, but we played like. We played, like, two propaganda covers. Um, you know, we played uh, Showdown because it was easy. And apparently yep. I'm a PC fascist because it was easy. And yeah, um, yeah, we yeah. played Frenzel's Run. Good. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and, at, and at band practice, we used to do, like, uh, Frenzel's Home and Away. And so we were, like, uh, you know, fast punk band when we were 15. But I remember, like, when I had to change guitars because I broke a string, like, it was out of tune. But I'm like, oh, my God, it doesn't matter because it's punk, you know? <laughs> I'm like, and you don't realize that actually all the bands that you love are like, you know, no effects and propaganda. You're like, you know, you've got guys like Hefe and Smelly and No Effects, and you've got like Chris Hanna's a monster guitar player. And you, you know, I just bought into all of that kind of ethos around that.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Even though they are, yeah, they are, yeah, they'd be like, I remember hearing it again, not to make it a fact, my thing, but I remember hearing, um, sure it was Chris Shiflett said when he, when they started gimme gimme's fat Mike was like, I don't give a fuck how drunk you are or whatever. The one rule we have in this band is you always have to be
1: in tune. Yeah. Like, and that's, so that's like, a good rule.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like whatever you do doesn't matter. You just got to be in tune. So yeah. And yeah, <laughs> monster players,
1: all of those guys, oh, yeah. all of those guys like Chris Shiflett, what a gun guitar player, yeah. you know, like yep. all of those guys could, could actually play. And, yeah, like I mean, my favorite now is um, it's like an old uh, jazz saying: It's like if it ain't in time and it ain't in tune, it ain't worth shit."
0: That's fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> and like
1: I'm kind of like a bit more like that now, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was like 15, nah. So that was, yeah, you can do this, man. All of that kind of, all of that kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> that's fucking gold. So then, how did you did you end up in
1: Newcastle? Yeah, so what happened was um, the reason I... So, yeah, you know, high school happened and even by like year 12, I'd kind of gone off punk a bit. Like, you know, because okay. we, we went pretty deep with it in a lot of ways. Like, uh, you know, like heaps into I Spy and like more of those kind of bands as well, you know, like yep and got kind of deeper with that kind of stuff. And then all my friends were listening to what I considered was like kind of a bit lame. Okay. And then... I don't know what happened, like, uh, you know, like I was actually I was, and I'll happily admit this was into Scar, like, dude, in a in a big way, like you and me both, like, and I'm not one of those dudes, like, I don't know, you were saying about irony before, it's like, I'm not one of those dudes, I, I don't do irony with music, you know, no, what I not mean? at all, like, yeah. like, like, you know, like, it's a South African thing as well. Everybody wants to look good and play good because you there's fucking you come from nothing you know (laughs) like yeah or like there's that i don't do that i don't do irony with with art for want of a better term but like i love people that do it with their whole heart you know like uh, recently you know it was a few years ago now um when mccartney played sydney a mate of mine randomly got tickets like at the last minute you know um john boyrock this guy who's like produced a bunch of front end loader records and Bunch yep. of other stuff produced Hell City, and like him and I co-produced uh, an album together. This, the Lock Arts, which are now broken up, but like we co-produced that album together and stuff. And he got tickets to McCartney, and he he invited me. And like, and you know, the main reason why he invited me is because he knew that I would just lean into being there, not like, yeah. not like, like have some kind of cool stance about it. I would just like unashamedly. Just yeah lap every the, second of it up oh, yeah. Fuck yeah And it was great you know like yep. so i i don't do that so like i'm not going to sit there and go like like i mean there was a lot of rubbish in those bands but i will still say i love scar like i still love operation Ivy. i still love like you know one of the van favorites with hell city glamours, you know this like glammy rock and roll band yeah. was like outcome the wolves man like we Dude. all loved an outcome the wolves like everybody yeah. in that band like when i first met oscar from hell city he had a shaved head, singlet and braces and used to like spray paint the sick of it all dragon everywhere he went when he was like 16, <laughs> you know? Awesome, yeah. Oh man, we used to go to like one-inch punch shows and all that kind of stuff. Although I'd still wear my Hendrix shirt to the one-inch punch show. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but you know, like so, um, yeah, I don't do like irony with that. So I was into Scar and stuff and then I kind of got back into hip-hop really hard and just, I don't know, I just had a... Again, falling out with some mates and I started hanging with like the dudes who played basketball at lunch every time and we were listening to like Biggie and Tupac, although yeah, like all of that kind of stuff. And anyway, but then I moved to Newcastle and um, I wanted to go to Newcastle to like, I wanted to move away to go to uni and mm-hmm. my parents were like, you know, immigrant parents, first like, firstborn son of mi- a migrant myself, um, you know, like you're going to go to uni, you're going to do a degree, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, so, and I'm, I was a bit of a slacker by year 12. Like, you know, we were heavily into doing naughty shit. Like, like I remember, I remember when, like when Fugazi played Manly Youth Center, like I was on Acid. I was like, (laughs) I I, I met Ian on Acid. (laughs) That's just, it's incredible. (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah. (laughs) And weirdly, Fugazi is actually a great band for Acid. Um. You know that oh, okay. wa- No, I have no doubt about that at <laughs> all. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, that warp to a preview that happened. Um, yeah. The, um, Redfern. Yeah, with face to face and all that, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. my mates, we took the bus We were off our faces on acid, and That's like, wild. so I was a bit of a, like, I went to a selective school, so I was all like smart kids or whatever, but I was a bit of a slacker. So, like, I wanted to move away to uni. I loved that idea of like going away to college from like you know American yep. movies and all that bullshit, and um. So I was like, oh, I'm going to uh, – so I looked at what I needed to get into the business course at Newcastle Uni and it was a super low UAI. It was, UAI, like, sev- yep. it was like 70 or something like that. You know, not super low but like, you know, not yeah, like – attainable attainable. Oh, dude, so I just slacked off hard in year 12 and just was like, you know, into all that. So, so that's how I ended up in Newcastle, right? And um, a mate of mine from the beaches was playing in a punk band in Newcastle and he knew I was a guitarist and I was like way better than him because <laughs> like, yeah. he was rubbish, but he had like a Les Paul custom, which was ridiculous. And I had some, you know, piece of crap, you know, Ibanez strap copy that, and a metal yep. zone and like a solid state amp and all of the bullshit, but he had a band and he had dudes that he'd play with. So I like, you know, I joined his band and you know, we we played a bunch and stuff, and then we played like the uni band comp, and um, that's where <laughs> I don't know we want our heat. I don't know why, like yeah, uh, and just you know, it's so cringeworthy now because like, you know, when you're just trying to be zany, and um, you know, I was wearing like a kilt on stage or something ridiculous like that. As and, you do, yeah. Oh, it's just terrible. But then the singer who was the singer in Draw the Line um saw that and like he saw me playing and he was like oh you know do you want to join our band and that's kind of how i went back into like punk again like because like a lot of those guys in that band the first band that i was in in newcastle which was called nine ways down which is just a terrible name um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> were like they were all into like blink and like no dis on blink but like like you know when you're like young and punk and like it's all like oh, no, Blink was good on, like, Cheshire Cat, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <The laughs> and EP, the the, early, the first release, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're like, oh, no, this is, like... Like, so they were all into that. And I'm like, no, but, like, I Spy and, like, all these other kind of way yeah. rather punk bands. And so, draw the line, at least all those guys, like, had, like, a lot of links to, like, you know, the Newcastle hardcore scene and all that kind of stuff. And then he just kind yeah. of took me under his wing a bit and... You know, I joined that band and that was like me getting back into like punk. But then I got like super into like hardcore, you know, like because there was FMD and all that kind of stuff and ended up yeah. living with... Yeah, Newcastle was a huge hub for that, yeah. Oh, dude, it was like the hardcore scene was big and I didn't know, apart from sick of it all, I didn't know heaps of hardcore bands. I was way more into like the, the more India side of punk, like not indie rock, but like, you know, like again, like I Spy and bands like that yep. that were just a bit more on the edge. And um, yeah, like that was like my massive hardcore education almost, you know, like, uh, and, you know, there was so like, you know, like say for example, this, I lived in this one share house in Newcastle and um, it was me, this guy from the singer who was the singer in Case for Jefferson. And Uh, um, Johnny who played guitar, who played bass in FMD and then played guitar in Life, Love, Regret. And yep. we had this shithole of a place, but it was, like, disgusting. It was filthy. and um, But it was, like, 50 bucks each a week, a week rent. Jesus. <laughs> and we had a spare room. It was in this industrial area up the road from, like, a disgusting brothel and all this kind of stuff. And um, But we had a spare room in that house, and people used to practice in there. So, like, when that first Life, Love, Regret album was being written, I could, like, I was in the bedroom next door to that. You know, like, and like, like, man, I used to be able to get Superstone, like sleep through a life of regret rehearsal. No problem. Like next to like in the bedroom next to me. And like, uh, I remember I was in, you know, I just moved to Newcastle at that time when like, you know, uh, Luke, like stopped being like the straight edge king of Australia and was like drinking and stuff like that. And, you know, like um, Draw the Line used to play with Conation all the time you know and all these kind of like i was just always on the periphery of kind of that whole scene but you know again um n- didn't quite fit in being a sydney guy and that yeah. was a thing like i was a sydney You're guy you always still some kind of outsider yeah yeah like and also just you know playing in a pop punk band as opposed to like yeah a, a hardcore band a hardcore band and, yeah. yeah all that kind of shit you know like so i was really i was still on the outs with all of that and um you guys seem to like
0: from a distance though you guys seem to still kind of be a part of it like obviously you weren't on the f- or the forefront of it but like you know yeah you'd see you'd see flyers of insert newcastle band here be it case for jefferson or whatever draw the line on it like, yeah yeah we were like yeah, the,
1: yeah. the the um the token pop punk band yeah the t- yeah the token <laughs> diversity band yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is um much more of a thing these days i think but um yeah you know yeah. like we were definitely and it was it was just a mates factor you know like it, like the punk scene was so small that you know like that was how it was like you mm. know like and so yeah draw the line used to play with conation a bunch you know and it was just like that's just like so incongruous because you know conation are like this you know this very well loved band and like mm. you know grindy i don't know what you'd call it, but like it's just so funny that's just how it worked because Newcastle was small, you know, and the great thing about like i mean there's not a there's there's some really shit memories of that time for me, just you know growing up teenaged kind of girlfriends and mates like you know like getting annoyed because you've met a girl and they liked her and all, you know, like all this kind of yeah. fighting, silly 19 year old bullshit. But, um, the great thing about draw the line and being able to play all those gigs and in Newcastle, which was a bit away from everything, was it kind of, it was really good, like apprenticeship. If that okay. makes sense for like, for like learning how to be in a band, you know, like learning how to get your shit on and off stage quickly, yep, you know, have your set together, you know, do you, you know, like do all of that stuff. And, yeah, just up. the
0: shit that you can't, like, the only way you can learn it is by constantly doing it. Yeah, and just constantly
1: yeah. gigging. And, like, even though we sucked, it was like a constant gigging and, like, learning how to do gigs. And that was when, you know, there was no shared backlines. <laughs> you know, you'd share a bit here and there, but it was like, you know, you had four sets of backline at a gig, like where you'd have to get that on and off stage really fast. And so... All the drummers brought their kits. I remember that. (laughs) Like, and we'd be like playing the 100 on 100 and there'd be like four drum kits and, you know, eight quad boxes. (laughs) (laughs) And just even like having a quad box and all of that kind of stuff, you know, like, you know, it's like, all right, this is how, you know, bands do it. And, you know, learning from those dudes that were a bit older in hardcore bands and stuff. And yeah, that was a really good apprenticeship. But like... By the time I was done with uni, like when I was like twenty one, like you know, like they, and also like you know, and it's been mentioned on the podcast before, I'm sure, but like one dollar short when they came up, yeah, like you know, they were they were so helpful to so many of us dudes, yeah, like yeah, for a, a few years younger, and they were so awesome with all that stuff, you know, they were so um
0: they were so giving with their with their knowledge, if that makes yeah, if that's kind of they they just yeah, especially Trent, like, oh. love to be like, hey, like, what you're doing is really cool. Can I just tweak your amp? Yeah. Like, let, let me show you how to do it better. Yeah. Oh, like,
1: totally. And yeah. Checky just as a guy who was so, oh, like, lovely and welcoming. And yeah. all of those dudes were like, you know, and we used to play with them a bunch and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they were lovely. But it was all the bands that came after One Dollar Short that, Kind of made me a bit over a lot of that stuff as well, in that not them um, per se, they were lovely dudes and they were always kick ass live and you know, mix of yeah. a, a ridiculous drummer and you know, oh, could all yeah. play their asses off. And and like, you know, actually, just r- reminded me, my first gig with Draw the Line was with some of your homies from the coast, um, was with Melac before there was something with numbers. Before there was something with numbers, there you go, that's <laughs> wild. So I've known all of those dudes for years, you know, and yeah. um. I remember when McBeath joined and I was like, this guy can play drums. Like, holy shit, this band's another level. Like a motherfucker, yeah. And, you know, but we were all into, like, you know, saves the day, as you know, with your band Through Being Cool, you know. Yes. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) like, you know, all of that kind of slightly emo stuff, like the, you know, Sam I Am and all that stuff. But then there was this whole wave of, like, pop punk bands that just kind of put me off that were, like, mad about just, like, getting sponsorships and, like... yeah. And like, just like, seem like super careerist about punk rock.
0: It's uh, yeah, I like. It it feels like you know when you hear like Rollins talk about, you know, I'm sure more people than just Rollins talk about it. But like, a Mackay is obviously a good example of this. But like, when they go, we like we did hardcore, and then all of a sudden, like the masses, like the regular people, came to hardcore and didn't Mm -hmm. get what it was about. Mm-hmm. I felt, yeah, I feel like that, that kind of happened with pop punk as well. Post ODS, like, and not to put shit on them because obviously, you know, they were just doing what they did, but like, yeah, yeah, normal people, quote unquote, saw $1 short and went, Oh wow, this band's poppy as fuck. And like, it's accessible and they sound like they can get girls and, you know, and, Oh look, they wear these shoes and they're sponsored by this thing. Like we can do that. We can get sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like the sponsorship has got nothing to do with it. Like, put
1: that shit aside and just play music for the love of it but yeah, yeah that and that really turned me off man and then like yeah. some of the dudes in draw the line and like you know and the guy who was managing us at the time and stuff they kind of like really went that way hard you know yeah, and th- and and then they wanted to record with like Greg Stace and like yep you know like in that super pro way tooled, polished like yeah cut up your drums you barely even play the drums and yeah resample all of, all of them yeah and, and that's when i i just like just before they were about to record with him i'm like i'm done i'm out of here because mm. like i'm leaving newcastle anyway i don't want to this is not what i want to do like i don't want to yeah. play this music and um that's when i like moved back to sydney and you know i knew all the guys from hell city glamours like they they just started before i was in the band you yeah. know, like, and they were going for maybe six months. And I loved rock and roll anyway. Like, I've always been a rock and roll fan since I was young. You know, like, I love, like, like, I love Hendrix. I love Zeppelin. I love Purple. I love, like, you know, I love The Stones. I've, I have always loved rock and roll. It was never separate to me, even though punk was my main thing. It was, and I'm just like, this looks like a lot of fun. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, right. let's 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 like play rock and roll and like and like wear tight jeans before you could buy skinny jeans everywhere like you know like and like you know so i I actually just messaged those dudes one day like because i'd moved back to sydney got a job blah 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 and i'm like on the shitter at work one day and i messaged those (laughs) guys and i was like you know you know my fucking 5110 or something (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the trusty Nokia. Yep. No, a good old Nokia. And like I messaged him when I was on the toilet going like, you guys should get me in your band, you know, like my hair wasn't even long, you know, I just got my like, first tattoo or something. like, Yep. <laughs> or like second, you know, the Misfits skull on my back. Yeah, got to love it, got to love it. um, And um, yeah, I mean, I love the Misfits still. <laughs> but, you know, like so I messaged him. And I was like, look, I want to, you should, you know, get me in your band and stuff like that. And I didn't even play, like I told them when I joined the band, I'm like, I don't play guitar solos. And they're like, well, you do now. Yeah, and you, yeah, you will. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why like, you know, when I I was just kind of jack of a lot of that stuff. So like, we'll just like, you know, like dudes who are just mad about sponsorships and like, like pro tooling the crap out of your record and all this stuff. I'm like, no, let's, I'm just going to join these guys because it looks like we can just like drink and party and get wasted and play rock music. This will be great. And it was such a change like playing in hell city when we started was kind of, It sounds weird to say, but it was really punk rock in a way because everybody else was either playing like super pop punk or like super wussy kind of indie. And we were like, Trying to wear like leather pants and boots and like makeup and all this kind of stuff. And like we used to get yelled at when we went out when we went out together, like because there was nobody who looked like that crew. That, and like, yeah, you know, I remember jumping across a table at a bar once night when I was really messed up um, because a guy yelled Megadeth at us. Because it was like, at least yell a good band, you know? Like, like <laughs> trying to punch That's him or awesome. stuff like that. Like, But we used to get poison yelled at us all the time, which was really annoying. Um, yeah, I could imagine that, yeah. Yeah, you know. So,
0: like, what I was going to... Sorry sorry to cut you off. What yeah, I was right. going to say was, um, I remember... Like, so one of those vivid memories I have...
1: Oh, yes, what we're talking about is, at the start. Yeah, yeah,
0: what we're talking about at the start is working at East Coast for Music, uh, where mm-hmm. the deals are hot and so are the staff. That's what we used to say, Trent and Come I, because I used to... Yeah, so... um. I won't... Uh, you know, I'm going to mention who it was, but I might cut it out if you want me to, just because I don't want there to be any kind of blowback, if that makes sense. Like, and there probably won't be, but Marshall, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I'll edit the name out if you want, and I, I won't if you don't want me to, whatever. But he came into the shop one day because he was working down at, you know, down on the coast.
1: Yeah, and we and were, we were talking shit. $1 Dollar Short and all that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah, he he probably came in to see Trent and say, what's up, or whatever, and Trent wasn't there, and I was, and we were just talking shit. And he's like... I said, oh, you know, how's the band going? He goes, yeah, 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 I don't know what we're going to do. Like, Mo quit. And I was like, oh, okay. I just, I knew the name, but not like, I knew who you were, but, you know, that's about it. And I go, oh, what happened there? And he goes, he's joined some fucking band called the Hell City Glamours. And I was like, is that really a name? Like, I was just (laughs) like, is that really, is that the name of the, I couldn't, I could just couldn't get my head around it. Because I didn't get the context. Oh, that's all he said. And I was like, I don't get the context. Like, is it a joke band? Is it a... I didn't... Yeah. But it always sticks with me, like, hearing that this guy who played in Draw the Line has shunned, no, quit, shunned, whatever, Draw the Line, to go play in this band called the Hell City Glamours, which, to me, at the time, reminded me of, um... Ah, fuck. What's that Simpsons bike gang? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell Satans. um, Hell Satans. Yeah, it reminded me of that. I was just like... uh, is this like a, is this a pre, you know, obviously looking back on it, was I was thinking was like, is it a pre Steel Panther thing before Steel Panther or was it like a legitimate thing? And I just had no idea, but I still remember him telling me that. And I was like, that's so fucking weird. And I couldn't get my head around the name. And it it <laughs> vexed me for ages thinking... What does it all mean? You know? What, well, so of course. Of course. Yeah. That there you go. That last soul sample. What does it all yeah. mean? What's you know? it all mean? <laughs> so that's, <laughs> my, um, that's my weird Mo <laughs> thing. Yeah. That's
1: so awesome. That's hilarious. I guess that's why I Draw the Line came up. But um, yeah. Yeah. You know what's funny is the name was what made me want to join that band. Uh, and I can, like, with what you've just said, I can, that completely makes sense. Yeah. Like, and uh, the first time I saw them, like, I went and saw them and checked them out and they were rubbish. Like you know that uh, you know that um that that Axel Rose shimmy thing that he does like you know that little side to side snake dance kind of thing yeah yeah like, yeah Oscar yeah. the singer who's now like you know head brewer and founder of young one of the founders of Young Henrys Young Henrys yeah um he uh he was just doing that shimmy thing because he didn't have any other stage moves and they were terrible good but fantastic but like because I had all this like how to be in a band knowledge. I was like, I can bring this, like I can bring all of this, like how to do it a bit more, not for professionally, but like do it properly. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Do like, it pr- yeah. Do it properly. Th- this yeah, is yeah. what we've got to do. This is how we got to do it. You know, like get our shit off stage quick, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And yeah, that's where like, <laughs> that's where I joined. And um, no, you can leave Marshall's name in there. I'm sure he'll so, get happy to be mentioned. Cause, cool. You know, there you go. He still loves the draw the line days. And um, Yeah. But awesome. um, <laughs> no, so that's why, that's why I joined that band. And, um, you know, it just went knee deep back into like rock and roll music and just, and also it just gave like a certain freedom to just do whatever and also kind of stick my finger up a bit because this is a kind of recurring theme of yeah. like... <laughs> of <laughs> The like, contrarianism well, in you. Yeah, right. Like, st- that's like, you know, like I wasn't on any punk forums because, you know, we were, you know, on similar punk forums until I joined the Cock Rock Band. Yeah, right. Okay. You know, like I didn't join any of those until I was in that I was like, have at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is this is who we are and what I am. And I've ah oh, it's such a bad habit of mine when I was younger to do that. Like just, you know, this is who I am. This is what we do. Yep. Fuck you if you don't in like it. In your face. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Down your throat. Yeah. And it really was. And it was kind of weird with Hell City because we kind of like well, you know, our first couple of stuff got a bunch of hype and like people you know we you know and then we just toured our asses off and got a following around the place and all of that kind of stuff but you were you, know, you
0: were you were very like i feel like you were very early adopters to a way like a resurgence of that yeah oh, like uh, you know obviously unintentionally you just did it because but like yeah i felt like you kind of got in right at the right at the like early stages of it and then
1: you know, it seemed to be kind of everywhere. Yeah, well, you couldn't buy tight jeans. Like I used to have yeah. to buy girls' jeans to to wear like super tight jeans. You know, because they just didn't exist. Like you know, like thankfully now they do because I still wear tight jeans, know, tight listen. jeans, and and <laughs> and boots. But um, you know, mixed with more sensible footwear as well during the week because you know back problems are real. Yeah, <laughs> they are. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like, and it was also just an opportunity to like 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 meet girls and you know uh like play gigs get you know and because we were that kind of band people used to just give us like booze and drugs and you know like it was it was crazy it was really like nuts for a while there you know (laughs) like and it was um yeah you know and then we just did hell city and you know we got to, you know, tour the States and play South by Southwest and... Which is you insane. Know, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, played with the New York Dolls and South by Southwest, which is crazy. Yeah. That's a bucket list thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Paul Stanley, you know, Sebastian Bach from Skid Row, like got to support heaps of our idols and play with, you know, like do like longer tours with like the angels and all this kind of stuff. And it just, it was just so like random because we were always an independent band and we always kind of just put out our stuff ourselves and just distribute it through mgm and it was it was weird because like i'd left this punk band that had like a clothing sponsorship and a record label and were making like a super pro tool like ep that they did and and then joined like the rock and roll band, and we were like independent as you know. Yeah, we used to like like screen print our own t shirts and you know all of that kind of stuff. It was just, yeah, it was wild. It was, yeah, it was really wild. Now I think about
0: it yeah. Sick. So let's um. I mean oh, let, yeah. yeah let's, let's do that. Pick, let's sorry, pick a man. song. Yeah. So no. 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 <laughs> don't be sorry. Do not be sorry at all. For one second, throw some throw some songs at me. Or a yeah. song.
1: Yeah. Okay. So so this one I'm gonna throw at you is um is go faster by the Black Crows because like, like yeah, you know what you were saying about like like the Steel Panther thing or stuff, like, like we took ourselves quite seriously in terms of like we're having a lot of fun but musically yep. we're like, no, this is what we do, this is who we are, this is the kind of band we are. We were like, no, we live it, it's not a joke, you know, all this kind of stuff but like, uh, you know, the Black Crows are just... still one of my favorite bands they're like i think one of the last well not the last but i think of the last like 20 years or something like that they were just just an incredible rock and roll band and go faster is just is like again because i was getting into production and you know music production and everything else like that it's produced by kevin the caveman shirley who's like a favorite producer of mine His just drum sounds are awesome he he knows how to make a rock and roll band sound like a rock and roll band and he's you know he's been iron maidens guy since they came back with bruce and all of that kind yeah, of stuff right. so it was like it was like you know rooty rock and roll but badass and modern still and everything else like that so yeah go faster by the black crows
4: got one two so
6: one time two time three time four time all right baby <laughs>
0: they're definitely one of those bands that just, I'll hear like one of the big three songs they do, like Remedy or what, you know, those songs and just go, I really, like, I'm doing myself a diss- disservice not putting the whole
1: album on. Yeah. <laughs> that most sense? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, no, and this album, particularly by your side, is like, they had, like, they don't actually like it because they're a bunch of contrarian bastards themselves. Um, <laughs> but like it's where they really came back to focus songwriting instead of being like they went through this kind of jammy period for a while and like they got back to like really rocking, you know. So when was this roughly released then? Uh, By Your Side was released in 99. Okay. Uh, I only got into it in like, you know, when I joined Hell City, like 2003, 2004, you know. But yeah, like that that was just, yeah, it was just a killer for me and it still is. So I thought like, you know, that kind of, Really epitomizes for me that time of like going out, like getting really wasted, doing lots of drugs, playing rock and roll, and like touring in vans, you know?
0: Yeah. And yeah, you like, I remember, yeah, I remember, you know, looking from afar thinking, this is wild. Like, you guys are picking up the most amazing supports, partially because you, you know, you were the, the guys doing it the best, which is well deserved, and that kind of thing. But like, how many bands get to play with Paul Stanley, like yeah. and do that kind of thing? Like, and that's yeah, that was fucking
1: wild. Just that kind of concept is just blew my mind. Oh, dude, I remember sitting like in the backstage rooms at like Newcastle Entertainment Center when we were touring with Paul Stanley. And I'm like, I'm sitting in my room listening to Paul Stanley do his vocal warm ups next door. Yeah, this is ridiculous. That would be surreal. Yeah, <laughs> it really is because I'm a, you know, I'm a huge Kiss tragic and have been since I was a little. Little dude But more for yep. the look And then later For the rock and roll
0: Yeah Yeah <laughs> So uh, Hell City Glamour's went for How many years roughly? About um, 10?
1: Oh, when did we break up? Um Yeah it's a, Yeah Like 10 years We went Yeah I think, we, I think it was 2014 Or 2012 oh, Fuck man I should know this <laughs> Yeah um, You really think I should know this Um Yeah I think it was 2014 When we did our final tour But Okay. Like, and we just put out our second album. Um, you know, we just, we just finished our second album and we were just kind of tired, you know, like yeah. we just toured a lot and people had a lot of commitments and the band was our life for so long that everybody was like, well, do we have it to do another one? And it's like, because we put out a bunch of EPs as well. So it's like three albums worth of material, but. Yeah. Um, we're just like, no, um, let's let's finish now before, like, we always had this thing, like, we'd never want to be one of those bands that you see and go, oh, man, you should have seen them five years ago.
3: Yeah. Like,
1: like they were great then, you know. So, we were like, we're actually playing the best we've ever played. Our album's killer, you know. Mm. And we always took our songs really seriously. Like, there's some songs, especially on that last tour, like, you know, Oscar, especially with his lyrics, like, there's a song called Find A Way on our last album that's just, like, about our band. You know, that's like that. Like we like we play it and we'd get choked up because like our music we actually took quite seriously and everything else we didn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we didn't take yeah. seriously, but like musically we were. So like when Steel Panther were coming out, it's like no, but that's a joke. We're not a fucking joke, you know. Like and so the whole thing was is like this means a lot to us, and there's like people all over the world who have like our band logo tattooed on them, which is just weird.
0: We- yeah, which is wild unto <laughs> it's itself. Wild. Yeah.
1: So, like, let's like do it the respect it deserves, and like, yeah, like put out this album, do a final tour, say goodbye to everybody, and still be a good band, and then just call it quit. You know? Yep. Um, yeah, because
0: yeah. that's the um, that's the, I don't know if, ooh, like, you could have easily milked it, like oh, you, you know, you could have easily milked the whole process, and you know, kept going, but. Or the, just the stuck
1: around and and nabbed up sweet supports from younger yeah. bands you know well that's exa- yeah that's not cool yeah that's, either, the other, you
0: know? that's the other that's the other alternative yeah which is fucking horrific but yeah, I mean not horrific but yeah it's it's really it's it's not doing justice and it's not letting the you know yeah the other bands
1: get the supports who are yeah, let, working let, just as hard and yeah, yeah let other people who are actually working harder at that point you know like yeah. let them have it like i hate and i see it a lot with guys in bands who just stick around just so they can play with big touring acts that come through, they don't put back in, you know, yeah. in any kind of way, and they just they just wait around and then just go, well, we're a name, so we'll play with yeah. those bands and get get all the glory, but not. It's just it's just cheap, you know. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not it's as 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 like cock rock as we were, and as over the top as sometimes we could be, especially in our earlier days. Like we all came from punk, you know. We all came Mm. from punk rock background you know we all and it's like and doing things in the right way with the right intention was super important so it was just like yeah like when we used to finish when it did we had a great run we like you know we we never got signed to any label or anything but we got to put out sick records and record them in the way we wanted to and all that kind of really good stuff it's like, man, this is this is a good time to just say, thanks, see you later, you know? And we Was all had... there... W- sorry, yeah, go on, you go. No, um, we all had, like, other projects that we were doing, and not projects. I hate when dudes say projects when they mean yeah. bands, because bands, I like yeah. bands. <laughs> um, we, you know, like... Well, projects project seem so con- uh, contrived. Yeah, like, right.
0: Yeah, like... Yeah. Yeah, I've got this side project. Oh, so y- what you you're doing something different for the sake of doing something different, and you don't yeah. really mean it, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a band, motherfucker. Like it's not a, yeah. it's not a, it's not a project. A project is like a diorama you did at fucking school. Yep. You know, that's like, correct. Like yeah. you do it with your heart and soul, or you don't fucking do it at all. Like I yeah. really believe that, you know. And so that's why it's like rather than get to a point where we don't have our heart and soul in it, let's go out having the best time we can. Yep. You know, and Ending still it on
0: a, a high, yeah, 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 the sign so, formula, except without yeah. the money. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, was were there ever like you said you did everything independently? Were there ever labels kind of courting you? Like, yeah. was that kind of, yeah, that was happening?
1: Yeah, that was definitely happening. But, um, I mean, like, look, uh, we when we put out our records in Europe, um, we were on you know, classic rock magazine. Their label, Power Age, Um okay. So we were on their label But like, you know, Aussie labels kind of came sniffing around And um, there was one dipshit from I don't know <laughs> what label he was He was like, it was one of the majors I probably shouldn't say because this place is I don't know, no, nah, who cares Like, I'm not doing anything where <laughs> Like, any of my bands can still play and put out records now Yeah And not have no to deal with anything So yeah. fuck that guy <laughs> But there was some guy who worked for Warners And he sat down like Oscar like and like you know and was like look you know I'll put a band around you that are all like shit hot players and we'll get like songwriters in and blah 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 and you know you turf some of the guys and all this kind of stuff and like Oscar was just like uh fuck you and get fucked and eat my balls you know what I mean like no yeah so there was there was lots of stuff that came out but also we kind of put on the front foot that we're independent as well so it kind of you know, like those dudes kind of got scared off pretty quick. Yeah, you know. So, um, yeah, but there was there was a bit of that going around, but there was just nothing that was ever ever seemed right or a right bit. And full credit to Oscar, he just went, oh, "Fuck you, this is the band, and if you don't like it, you can get fucked."
0: Yeah, that's yeah, that's such a weird concept. Like, I don't know. If, yeah, like it's like you're even listening to the like, are you are you. Like, for someone to bring that to your band, it's almost like, what are you listening to? Like, wh- how do you think that that is, what I, is that would be the ultimate goal of this band?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, like, the original bass player of Hell City Glamour started bass when the band was formed, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> even though, like, Robbie's a motherfucker of a drummer and Oscar's a great singer and songwriter and guitar player and, you know, I ended up getting all right at guitar. Like, you know, <laughs> there's not... um. You know, like it wasn't, it was never about that. So why would that be what you want to offer us? You know, it's just like, it's so gross and just it's like yeah, old school industry style, you know. It's gross like it's is the word for it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I See. So that, that finish that winds up.
1: Um, yeah. Did you jump head first into a band or were you, did you kind of just well, have a break? Well, I was like, kind of like, I've been like doing more production and stuff like that in terms of like, you know, trying to get good at at engineering and recording and mixing and all that kind of stuff. And I've been doing that for quite a while. Um, and I was also, um, for a very short period, was in this kind of psychobilly band, <laughs> um, uh, just because one of my best mates was the trombone player, and um, and so like. You know, I was playing in that for a while, but then... What was the band called? That was the Casino Rumblers.
0: Oh, <laughs> of course. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, okay. I mean,
1: that band's had a million lineups and all the rest yeah. of it. And, like, we actually... Oh, it's, re- its
0: it's... That's, that's like, one guy's vision with... And not to sound disrespectful, but that band was one guy's
1: vision with kind of interchangeable members, yeah? Well, well yeah. And the thing is... is, is we tried, Yeah, yeah. And we yeah. tried to make it more of a band, you know, because okay. we were writing and we made a record and then he just packed it in because like you know not to but no fuck it <laughs> like um he he didn't like that and and we were like well fuck it then let's do our own thing and then you know rob who the trombone player he would played in the porkers previously and stuff like yep. that would um and then ben the other guitar player in mucho sonar was in draw the line with me fucking years oh ago. right and yeah, yeah. and so the sax player was from the Casino Rumblers. And anyway, so I always wanted to have like a heavy rock band with horns because I love horns. Like I yeah. love, I love stax, soul music. I I used to love, I still love jazz, but like, you know, I used to, I like, I love funk music. You know, I like horns. I think horns are rad. And yeah. um, I always wanted to have like a heavy, rocky punk band with horns. So then we started Mucha Sonar and you know, that the whole point of that band was for everything is like we do what we want, we underlined, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, the collective, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and so, you know, we did that and also like, uh, again, I was just like recording bands and doing more of that kind of stuff and, you know, so that, you know, like that became, that was the next thing essentially, you know, it was like, was Mucho was kind of kicking off about then and then we started doing like you know we did like an EP and a and a full length and stuff like that but again it was just it's like whatever we want to do like I remember remember when you were younger and like you know some like new jack promoter who was just on the scene or something was trying to dictate to you what to do and you know you know and try and like wave their big music industry guy stick around it's like by that stage, we're all grown ups, you know, like yeah. we're not we're it doesn't not tw- work anymore, twenty somethings, so and it's like like you know I remember one time some guy tried to do that shit to us. It's like, cool, well, this is where we're playing, you- kn- you you know you put it on, we'll all be there, fucking do something, Yeah. you know, like turn up, see what happens, <laughs> you know what I mean, like like when they try and threaten you, and when you were like a twen- a twenty year old in some you know like you're like, oh shit, we better do what he says. it's like, well, no um. Thankfully, nowadays with music, like, I mean, you know, I I recorded that first Mucho album, you know, for the most part. And, you know, like, it's like, well, we don't need you to make music or to play shows or because we put on shows with our friends, yep. bands, like, you don't exist in our world anymore. So, yeah. Like, and you're a dying fucked. breed. Yeah, yeah, you're a dying breed. Like, go away, you know. So, yeah. So it it just became purely about what we wanted to do and we all write the music, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, and then I was just also busy with, like, producing bands and, like, getting really deep into, like, mixing other bands and production and all that kind of stuff. So, like, I still play Mucho. Like, we've got another EP coming out in a little while. We've had time off because our other guitar player had to have, like, really horrific knee surgery and all this kind of stuff. So it's just like, all right we'll just put a pin in it for a while and yeah. then like I started uh, another band with Robbie from Hell City just because I miss playing music with him because like we've played like he was the drummer in my first band when we were 15 back in outright you know so I've got a new band with him and my baby brother who's like 10 years younger than me um, called the Dusty Roads, which yep. is just purely just playing like fun up-tempo like like, kind of slightly Scandinavian y sounding rock and roll, I guess you'd say. Okay. Like,
3: yeah, um, right.
1: It's like, you know, like I love the helicopters and stuff like that. So it's like lots of guitar solos, like punky edge, but it's rock and yeah. roll. Yeah. You know? Yeah, see. And so, and, but yeah, I've just more been doing like producing stuff. Like, you know, so I guess, you know, as we winding up all of this kind of stuff, you know, like, you know, I just mixed, um, you know, like, five out of the eight tracks on the Neptune Power Federation latest record, um, which was really cool because, like, I grew up on Nancy Vandal and Frenzel Rom. Like, As you we know, both I, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so so having, like, like guys from bands you've respected and also guys who've worked with, like, you know, Jason, who's, like, li- you know, from Frenzel, having, who's, you know, had guys, like, worked at the Blasting Room and stuff like that. I just mixed their record and they were all, like, vibing on my mix is so hard and it was just like, that's oh, fantastic. I can do this now. And like, yeah. you know, getting to co-produce a record with John Boy Rock, who was one of my really good mates, but also like he's produced a bunch of bands way before I even started touching a, a microphone a or a preamp. Yeah. yeah. And, and the fact that he felt like, like that I was equal enough to be like a co-producer on that or, you know, on that record with him, like we produced it together and, you know, like all of that kind of stuff. It's just like, I don't know. It's like, I'm not, not pulling my own chain, but oh, I kind of am. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but again, you know, if you're not, who else will? Yeah. No, but I just don't have time for that self-effacing bullshit anymore. You yeah. Know? Like of like, like it's like, no, I'm pretty fucking good at this now, you know, yeah. like, and people who know better than me think so. So fuck it. Like, you know, so I've been doing more of that kind of stuff, but, so where all this ties into the last track, right, is like... Lay it on me. Yeah, so, so like, you know, I've been producing more, but I've also, like, letting things take a back seat because, you know, as we were talking before the podcast started, you know, I'm about to have a baby, you know, I've met the love of my life, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so, um, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's amazing. And um, so this last track is by a band that's actually from 1992, right Ooh. but i was never into them at the time and i only got into them like 2 years ago but the production and songwriting and just genius of this band like they like there's podcasts that come out like one that came out like a month ago that were still talking about this band you know even though they never really hit it big at the time and um so this um and just this band like encapsulates so much of what i love because they've taken like influence from the Beatles and ELO, but like also like, you know, all manner of music and this rich musical history, you know, and being like, you know, and then the production on the album is so fucking stunning that people still listen to it and just go, and this is before like pro tools and stuff like that. And it's something I try and do with the records I make is actually make the sounds, not just rely on edit. Like I'm like, you know, it's like, well, can't like you know, say bands I record. So this is a long, bit of long winded way to get into this no, track, but yeah, go for it. You know, bands I record are like, oh, can't we just pro tool? And I'm like, no, yeah. you got to like, like we have pro tools and we record two pro tools, but don't use it as a verb. Like, like we're here, to, we're here to make a record, and you know, can't you make that vocal better in pro tools? I'm like, can't you compel me more with your performance? Like, because this is what we're about is we're creating moments of emotion and you've got to live with this and like you know like compel me give me something with this you know and this album everything is just everybody is rising to the absolute level of what they can do and every sound is fantastic and every harmony is great and um you know the lyrics are just genius and all of this kind of stuff and so this is a song by a band called jellyfish and the song is called new mistake and the reason i specifically picked this song is also um like you know I, I put this song on a on a playlist for um my partner when we just met and um the the lyrics are just stunning the outro is like like you know you would just listen to the way the bv starts stacking in the outro that's just mind blowing but also lyrically it's just brilliant cuz like the first lines are like um and it's about Uh, you know uh, an accident child that kind of (laughs) comes like this (laughs) like this this story of this child being born and all this kind of stuff and it's like um and the first lines are like curtain opens spotlights the gentleman signing his love letters best wishes simpleton because like you know he's a bit of a fool you know for love and so on and then it gets into like you know uh he knew better that perfume was gravity and it's like you know uh like i remember after meeting my partner like like I could still smell her like 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 her, like you know her perfume and what she smelled like and everything like I could still smell it on this scarf that I lent her and stuff and it was like you know and in this line he knew better that perfume was gravity pulling him closer to what could be tragedy love is blind deaf and dumb but never mind you know it's like and Dude. so it's like where I'm at now in terms of you know having this child that was s- uh, such a like, I hate saying blessing, but such a blessing, completely unplanned with meeting the love of my life and also being this band that I discovered a couple of years ago and just got obsessed with because they're so brilliant songwriters, players, and the production um, is just mind-blowing, you know? So, yeah, Jellyfish and New Mistake will be the, the last one. So, before we, before we
0: hear this last song, the, which, look, Jellyfish is a terrible name. Oh, it's a
1: rubbish name and they had a yeah, rubbish like, so,
0: Yeah, so maybe that's, you know, but, you know, marketing isn't everything, but, um, yeah, Jellyfish, they probably should have gone back to the fucking drawing board with
1: that one. <laughs> well, um, look, like, they also came at, the first album came at the tail end of hair metal and then the uh, second album right. came out post Nevermind and it was a bright, shiny power pop record. <laughs>
0: Right, okay, so it's, yeah, possibly bad timing as well. Unfortunate timing, not bad timing, just unfortunate timing. Yeah. Um, is there, like, where can people find you and all your bands and everything?
1: Like, do you want to lay all that out there for us? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, you should check out uh, Mucho Sonar. It's on the Spotify's. Um, <laughs> that's where people listen to music. And, um, you know, uh, my band, The Dusty Roads, have a seven-inch coming out soon. But that'll be up on Spotify, you know. Dusty Roads, like the pro wrestler. Yep. And in terms of R H O D E S, yeah, <laughs> yeah, R H O D E S, and um, yep. yeah, I don't have any kind of internet presence for any of my production stuff or my studio or anything else like that. Um, I don't know. People just find me. And, yeah, but the proof will be
0: in the putting in the new um. Well. In the
1: new Mucho Sonar, but obviously the Neptune Power Federation. So yeah, check check out the Neptune Power Federation memoirs of a memoirs of a Rat Queen. Um, that's a great record. It's getting really great reviews, which is super gratifying. Um, and yeah, like if you want to, if you want to pr- me to produce something or something, I don't know, get in touch. But um, <laughs> see, but yeah, like check out the like I recorded all the Dusty Road stuff. I've done all the Mucho stuff. So yeah, <laughs> just find me
0: <laughs> fucking incredible
1: mo look thank you so much for doing this i'm i'm so i'm so stoked yeah oh, i'm just thanks. so stoked thanks for having me joel um cool you know but yeah. it was just rad to you know sit down and have a chat with you for like a couple of hours granted like i was kind of running at the mouth and you know but um but no it was just I'll, good to catch up with you joel and just yeah like, you speak too mate. about music and things we love yeah. you know
0: What a story. My, my, him. What's some, what's just jams, just chock full of jams. Um, again, thank you for making it this far through the podcast. Uh, if you want to reach out, myagepodcast.com, myagepodcast at gmail.com, uh, patreon.com slash myagepodcast, uh, all the social, Instagram, Facebook, all that bullshit. Um, send us a dollar. Don't. If you don't, it doesn't matter. It's all good. I love you. Nonetheless, all the same even. And uh, cool. We'll see you in a couple of
7: weeks. Everybody knows the captain line Everybody got this broken feeling Like their father or their dog just died Everybody talking to their pockets Everybody wants a box of chocolates in the long stem roll Everybody knows So many people you just had to meet without your clothes And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows knows. That's how it goes Everybody knows that it's me But there's gonna be a meter on your bed